Good evening, brothers and sisters of the Leaf. Coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys wrestle with the cocaine bear as they get sloppy drunk on craft beers all while smoking the La Gloria Cubana Serie R number no. 8 cigar. Yep, that's the one. Wait till you see this stogie, folks. It is truly the size of a coked up grizzly bear penis. Huh? Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're thinking. How do I know what a coked up grizzly bear penis looks like? Let me just clear my internet search history real quick uh, for a totally unrelated reason. And then, look, if I might be in any trouble here, can we maybe, let's talk about this with my lawyer present, okay? Until my lawyer gets here, friends, it sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. All right, you guys ready to have some fun? Yes, yes I am. What do you want to do? Uh, Come pick me up. Let's go. Let's hit the streets. Let's do it. All uh, right. Let me just take maybe it. Like cheerleader pursuit or something. Let's <laughs> go uh, out. <laughs> yeah, it'd be smart and stuff to do that game. I'm more of a shoots and ladders man myself. Although I've been playing wrong, I thought you went up the up the shoots. So all my games were over in like three minutes. Man, God, I, I got to the top fast. Well, and I was playing by myself. That helps. Uh, let me just take a quick sip of my... Playing with yourself. <laughs> ...professional podcasting serum, as I tend to do. Wet my whistle. Ah. Nice. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club episode. Episode 162. 162, yeah. The big one. How about that? Uh, so, boys, I've got a new segment idea uh, I'd like to try out tonight, if you don't mind. Yeah, hit it. Uh, I call this Drunk Theories. Drunk Theories? Drunk Theories. theories. These okay. are actual theories that I cook up when I've been drinking heavily. Only to have them crumble to dust the next morning when I sober up and fact check them a little bit further. But at the time, I think I'm kind of on to something. Uh, only for the cruel, mm. the cruel light of cruel light of dawn to uh, make me realize the error of my calculations. Tell me what you he think. Created theoretical musings of Kate. I'm I, I'm waiting. Let's go. Okay. So here's one from a few weeks ago. I'm here in the corner of No Hope. Uh, in Central Texas, having a, a few cocktails. And I'm reading the news when I come across two death announcements within about 10 minutes of each other as I'm as I'm scrolling through the news feed. The world, a world famous tech guy in the tech field, Intel co-founder Gordon Moore. And the founder of Arby's, a man named Leroy Ruffel, or Raffel, R-A-F-F-E-L. Both died on the same day. This is, uh, I believe, last month or earlier this month. Uh, they were the same age, 94. They obviously shared the same innovative genius. And they looked the exact same looking at these pictures of these guys. So it dawned on me as I went back to the other, the Intel guys' obituary, and then I'm looking at the Arby's guys. It dawned on me, 
these are actually the same fucking dude. And so I'm like, how can that be? It made sense to drunk me that Gordon Moore wouldn't want his tech nerd egghead buddies to know and judge him and ridicule him for being a pioneer in the roast beef and curly fry business. So he cooked up an alter ego, Leroy Raphael. And somehow I was the only one in 60 years to put all these puzzle pieces together and solve this mystery. So you know, that actually, it, was old, it was old man Moore all along. That actually tracks with a lot of conspiracy theorists. They think they're the only right? ones that have stumbled on that thing. But then the next day I re- went back and read the articles again. And the Arby's dude is actually two years older. He died at 96, which I believe is the oldest age anyone has ever lived that regularly ate Arby's. That ever and, and, and I realized in the morning that all old white men look basically the same, like kind of a sad droopy half melted candle. Uh, so when I got my magnifying glass out, they, they actually, there were some physical differences. Uh, so there went, there went my big conspiracy theory, but unlike conspiracy theory, unlike conspiracy theorists, when I'm presented with facts, I, I stepped back. I admit I was wrong. Good Good job. Unless you, unless you guys think there's a chance that they could be the same dude. Not a chance. Not at all, no. Okay. Well, I mean, if you take Moore's being Moore's law, could it be applied to delicious roast beef sandwiches? How could you double the amount of roast beef in any sandwich exponentially as yeah. it grows? Yeah. And more cook that in cheese. More roast beef. M-O-O-R-E. Yes. Have the the meats. They do. All right, about a week later, I got one more. And this one, actually, all right, drunk theory number two. Let me know what you think. One night, I was out here having a few more adult beverages, and I read this headline. Two children age 10 are discovered working unpaid shifts at Kentucky McDonald's, where one child illegally used deep fryer and both prepared meals while serving customers. How could I not read that, right? Uh, The United States Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division found these kids were serving meals at a Louisville McDonald's, working the drive-through cash register, and mopping the floors, among other duties. So as a young, as a parent to two young preteen daughters, I'm reading this, and I think you know where I'm going with this. I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, my kids are lazy. Those two bums that live in my house couldn't work a deep fryer if their lives depended on it. And good luck getting them to mop the floors. They can barely clean the rooms. So I thought I'd look into getting them some shifts at the local Mickey D's. Those other kids are doing it, helping support the families. But then I woke up the next day and I tasked my girls with a simple task. Just make me a toasted bagel and a cup of coffee. And they couldn't even get that right. Uh, So again, I tested it. Those losers couldn't pull pull through. Drunk theory number two, an, another total wash. Question? Yeah. Uh, did the fact that it's illegal to employ that child labor and that that was most likely the crux of the article that you read not factor into your thinking? That's where the drunk part comes in. Okay. okay. I just saw. Uh, I just it sounds like your drunk theory was that my kids aren't doing enough. Yeah. Okay. These these kids are working registers. They're making egg McMuffins. 
you know, I got these two freeloaders. They can't even make a bowl of cereal for themselves without some kind of calamity happening. So you ask your small children to make you breakfast. Yeah, and it didn't work out good. So there goes that theory. Father. I don't know. Should I, you guys like this? Should I come back in a future episode with some more drunk theories? Yes, please. Do you guys ever have any drunk theories that you wake up and you're like so proud of yourself for thinking of something the night before and then you're like, oh, wait, that's that's just not on base at all? No, no, everything I think is honest, good, and true. Yeah, well, you guys are much more uh, disciplined in your drinking. You probably don't get to that point where things get a little confusing. One might say that I spent a large portion of my life uh, <laughs> operating under the guise of drunk theories. Uh uh honesty how about that tut and yak boys a little honesty tonight thank you doctor appreciate it to you doctor to you just to both of us uh well hey maybe maybe you wanted actual honesty that's like so difficult god maybe we can uh drink enough to make up a few new drunk theories this evening what do you think let's try i'm sure one of us will have one before the eyes over (laughs) uh we can only hope uh well folks it is really, really hot here in Central Texas. Uh, so I trust that you boys all have got some cold beer handy to help us ride through uh, tonight's show. I, I, I'm loving oh, it. Yeah. God, nothing like a cold beer on a 120 degree day. Uh, yeah. whew, that's good stuff. Uh, and what do yeah, we do here? We actually, and we actually had a little pain relief uh, today with those storms that came through. There was a little rainstorm that came in. Uh, that was that was. It, oh, is that how you saw it, it after you stepped outside? And now the humidity went to a hundred percent. Oh, look! Outside is a steam bath. <laughs> I felt bad. It was just starting to rain. I, I had my two girls up on the roof trying to to reshingle my house, and uh, I, I told them to come on down. It was lightning and. Um, they're gonna they're gonna do stuff whether they like it or not. <laughs> it's called parenting, boys. It's called parenting. Todd, is there any kind of reward if we notify Child Protective Services and turn someone in? Is it like Crime Stoppers? Do we get anything for that? Moving on, moving on. Uh, so every episode we uh, we drink uh, a copious amount of uh, alcohol. Let's just call it what it is: beer, wine, rakia, whiskey. You name it. Uh, and we pair that with a premium cigar tonight. We got two because I think one might. I, I, I'm I'm guessing I have a, a sober. I'm theory. staying with that bad boy the entire way. I've already I have a sober. I'm, that is my goal for this episode. I, I have a sober theory that someone's going to tap out on this beast of a cigar. We're going to start with. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how to get the cigar like to inner frame like the Death Star. <laughs> Just doom doom. <laughs> Uh, Star Destroyer it, it coming in like no, it's gonna it be is. like like the Star Destroyer that you know <laughs> takes up the entire frame and then just like kind of slowly backs out. It That's took an entire. It's a cigar. That's too big to be a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took an entire field's crop of tobacco to make the three cigars we're going to be uh, smoking this evening. Um, so we got we got two smokes, uh, which I will introduce here in a minute, and then. With the uh, the craft beverages and with the cigars, we always tie them to a film discussion. Uh, tonight's film discussion will be on a very recent film that 
I don't know about you guys. It's always fun to find out later on, but a film that I, I highly enjoyed way, way more than I anticipated I would, which is Cocaine Bear. 2023's Cocaine Bear. So stay tuned for that after we uh, have a little bit of roundtable discussion and get into some other things first. But because uh, of the dedication of time that's going to be required to smoke tonight's cigar. I'll have it done in 15 uh, minutes. I'm I'm going to time that. I am going to go ahead and introduce it. So we can we can start getting started, boy. Guys, smell that out of the cellophane. Tight on the clock here. <laughs> rich, rich hickory, super super sweet. I can't pull this off. Uh, tonight's cigar. Uh, uh, I, I, it's not just like uh, a novelty uh, cigar. Uh, it's it's. I don't, uh, doctor. I don't know if you can quite uh, tell just how enormous this cigar is um and of course as i mentioned we are featuring cocaine bear this evening uh who is a very horny cocaine bear so why not i feel like a cartel like use these just to like it's full of cocaine that's how they will hide them in cigars the cigars aren't big enough we'll make I just them bigger. put that for size comparison i have a very long face you do bigger than cut's head <laughs> God, this, let me let me tell you what this is, Doctor. This is the and you you kind uh, generous folks at home for spending some time with us. Cigar number one is the La Gloria Cubana Serie R, number eight, uh, Maduro by Forge Cigar Company. It is a seven by seventy seven inches Lord, by man. I'm, oh, seventy. God. Uh, why is it an eight if everything is a seven? Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't the serial <laughs> seven. Uh, oh my god, I wouldn't if that's how they're doing it, I would hate to see the eight. An eight by eighty? The hell with the Death Star Tut. When you push that thing towards the screen, I thought it was like the shark and Jaws three at the end breaking through the, the glass tunnel. <laughs> All of a sudden that was Dennis Quaid in slow motion. <laughs> get out the way, get out the way. Uh it features a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Which you can smell the, the chewy sweetness and, like I said, it's got a little bit of hickory in there. But smell the foot of that; it's just super, super chewy and sweet. Uh, the barn- me, I have to get. The, I, have I to would get say the I smell a barnyard because I end off of this thing. Barnyard in there. <laughs> Did you just say you smell barnyard because there's an actual barnyard in the cigar? I'm fairly certain they can fit a cow in here. <laughs> I like how Tut needs his fire axe to cut the damn thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't actually thought about how I'm going to cut this. I hope I, yeah, I'll figure it out. Uh, the binder is Nicaraguan. The filler is Nicaraguan and uh, Dominican Republic. I'll save price point for last. Uh, this giant motherfucker was released in February of this year. Uh, the number eight Maduro is something like the one billionth offering in the uh, from the La Gloria Cubana brand. There are so many La Gloria Cubana cigars out there on on the shelves. Yeah, but hopefully, fingers crossed, it will be the first to impress me. I have smoked a lot of Gloria Cubana, and I got to say, I I haven't really had a memorable one uh, to date. Have you guys ever uh, smoked a La Gloria Cubana that pops into your head? No. I have had uh, many, yeah. but nothing yeah, see? stands out where I'd be like, well, yes. Didn't we actually do one on the show? 
I, I don't believe so because I, I honestly just hadn't found one that grabbed my attention, uh, but it is kind of an iconic uh, band. The, the lady on there, which you'll, you'll certainly recognize if you've ever been into a walk-in uh, humidor. Uh, and in case you what boys, was the, what was the demographic info that led them to be like, we need to make this cigar. This cigar needs to come into existence. I'm sorry, Ty, could you give me, I'm doing, I'm doing some forearm curls. <laughs> Feel yeah. the burn. What the, what's the guy, what's the guy on the shop floor doing? He's, he's like, do I, do I keep rolling? Keep rolling bigger or. Uh, but get this for you folks at home, man, you boys, this, this is not the biggest cigar we've ever done on the show. Way back in March of 2019 on our St. Patty's day episode, we yeah, smoked the we seven the by ogre? the seven by 70 Candela, uh, barber pole known as the ogre from asylum 13. Yeah. So this, this giant grizzly bear dick I'm holding, uh, is tied for the largest cigar in TNCC history. Uh, by the way, it is awkward to hold in kind of, if you guys want some tips on kind of how to hold this comfortably in your hand, I will take my phone out when I take a whiz in a minute and I'll FaceTime you guys just kind of watch how I'm holding my, my jog and you'll kind of see just how you can, uh, that's okay. I, I, I'm still doing the cold draw and it's about right here. So I think eventually it's going to work its way through and I'll get those initial, initial flavors. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to cut this here. Oh, Hey, that actually. That or I'm going to put some 10 pound weights on either side. Cause it literally is. That's either going to heal your shoulder or wreck it beyond belief. I don't know. <laughs> One or the other. Oh, yeah, don't uh, lift this with your bed on. My therapist is going to be like, what you do to your shoulder? Like, eh, sorry. Man, what you a get beast. The feeling okay. like <laughs> well, hey, um, that's that's really all I'm going to give you guys on this cigar. Like I said, I'll, I'll talk price point later. But, uh, Doctor, if you could give us about 15 minutes to get this lit. like a, It's like a... Yeah, go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll just... Like a, like a fireplace log. It's going to take a... Go out and check the mail. Huh? Uh, you can actually write some correspondence, put in envelopes, lick them, mail them, drive to the post office, and we'll still be here putting flint. It's actually a, it's a very, so nice, very nice aroma. Uh, did you guys get anything off the cold draw? I just got more sweetness. That was about the same, yeah. I find that if you turn it in your hand while you're lighting it, that's probably your best bet of getting an even uh, burn going here. Oh, man, a lot of smoke pouring off of this impressive. Why note. wouldn't it be? It's like literally a rolled-up newspaper. <laughs> I I need to put on my reading glasses just to see if I'm – it's so far away. The end of the cigar is so far away. I can't see if I'm getting it All right, got a little bit of uh, black pepper through the nose. Yeah, I'm gonna have a serious case of ginger Lynn jaw tomorrow morning. 
Yeah, that's 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 silly. This is not something, uh, you know, and I, I'm very comfortable in my sexuality and whatnot. And this is not something I, I'd be too comfortable, like going into a lounge and sitting there. And... I don't know. I would think it kind of makes a statement. Yeah, there's a. I don't know what the ring gauge is on the cigar that De Niro was smoking in Cape Fear, but that was like a big thick honking cigar that he's in the he's in the movie theater and you know he's uh the the family's in front of him trying to enjoy the show and he's back there with a cigar just laughing, oh, laughing his balls off yeah. and uh it cuts back to him and that cigar i mean it's got to be like a 60 it's a 60 plus i know that uh but i wonder this, what that ring gauge was in that movie this is actually kind of like that one that uh they sometimes bugs bunny would smoke a cigar and, <laughs> This is, I think that's about the right, right heft to it. Uh, you guys getting that black heft through the nose? Uh, it's I, I'm still trying to actually get this thing evened <laughs> out and fired up. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's probably going to take a few hours to get this thing going. So, uh, yeah, boy, it does have nice. It does have nice smoke production traveling up the. It's it's, co- it, it's copious. Look at that. Look at that. Traveling up the body of that big black like oily torture microphone. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's actually the same size as my microphone. Um, well, yeah, boy, uh, our resident uh, beer expert, who's also the proprietor of one O'Brien's Irish pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. Uh, we always turn to Yak Boy to uh. Fill us in on what we're all drinking, where it comes from, what we can expect. He's got all the info for us. But before we turn to Yak Boy for tonight's uh, beer selections, uh, I wanted to give a quick update. Uh, Last episode, we talked quite a bit about the ongoing uh, Bud Light controversy. Um, And I wanted to just, that whole situation is still ongoing, but I found this, uh, this new development really surprising. I wanted to Get you guys on it. As of this month, uh, we're approaching the end of June. Bud Light's parent company, Anheuser-Busch, has seen their market cap value plummet $27 billion uh, since they flirted with a a little experiment with the trans uh, woman influencer, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, I think it's a disastrous team up uh, with social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, but hey, unlike most social media influencers, she actually did influence morons not to buy Bud Light anymore. I mean, she, <laughs> she, did, move, she did move the needle, which I can't say for most influencers. Uh, I used quote fingers there for you folks on the the iTunes. Uh, well, anywho, here's a quick update. Can you boys guess for the first time in 20-something years, which beer has toppled Bud Light in the U.S.? As a result of all this silly nonsense, Yak Boy, you own a bar, so and you've got some insider knowledge. Don't say anything. Give these boys a chance. Can you guys guess what beer is now the number one selling beer in America? Well, it's obviously going to be a domestic beer that. I mean, it's got to be either Coors Light or Miller Light. So I guess I'll guess Miller Light. 
Doctor, that was actually my guess. I was like, it's got to be another terrible beer. Uh, let's go Miller Lite. I was wrong. Tut? I'm going to go Modelo. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct, my friend. Modelo, as of this month, is the number one selling beer. Now, granted, it's a Mexican beer, but it's owned by a, a New York City conglomerate. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, it is. It, it's originated in Mexico, but by all, all, all the Mexican beers were, of course, influenced by the German immigrants that were going in. They're the ones that actually brought the beer making process to Mexico. So, and, and through their own influences there, we get the wonderful Modelo. They showed, he showed them how to make beer and this is what they made. And man, I won't lie. It's probably, uh, Negro Modelo is probably my, my favorite Mexican beer. Uh, I like Negro, uh, I like Negro Modelo. Uh, I'm not opposed to the Modelo Especial, uh, as a former marketer who still keeps up with marketing and, you know, just appreciates the evilness that it is, uh, Modelo's marketing has been really strong in the last couple of quarters. So I could see that. I mean, the only way that they make room is that for Bud Light to just implode on itself. Uh, that's the only reason why Modelo steps up. But well, sure, uh, Modelo has really has really done a good job capturing market share uh, even before, even before the Bud Light mishap. Modelo sold uh, in the four weeks ending uh, May 28th, Modelo sold $333 million of beer compared to Bud Light's $297 million. And that's a 15, to, to your point, that's a 15.6 rise for Modelo from the same period last year. And it's the first time Bud Light has been dethroned as the best-selling beer in America in the last 22 fucking years, where it dethroned its big brother, this regular Budweiser, the the king of beers, 22 years ago. But uh, boy, that really surprised me. Modelo. Question that hopefully one of you can answer, probably Yax will be in the best position to. Uh, so how is Modelo priced versus those... American light beers of, of Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, is it competitively priced? It typically is. I mean, majority of your domestics, I mean, those are the ones that, you know, you, you, you go out and, you know, most places will have, you know, a long neck special or you'll go to just, you know, any, you know, chain sit down restaurant and most of those will be on tap. I mean, you go to somewhere and they say, hey, we've got, you know, 24 ounce cheap beer and it's that's what it's going to be you know it's it's going to be one of your your standard light beers the most of the the mexican beers of course they were treating them and and have continued to treat them as oh this is an import this is you know something that's but you know special and you know comes from outside the country but it really doesn't it's just for us it's right across the border and or some of it you know they're, so they're making a six pack kind of the same because I, I just assumed that, and I, I have no background information to back up this theory at all. And it's not a drunk theory, not yet. Um, <laughs> I, I just assumed that that the American, the, the domestic beers, your your Bud, your Coors, your your Miller, 
that those are, I would assume that those just fly off the shelves in the convenience stores and the grocery stores. That's what the Joe six packs are drinking. People that go and they buy beer by the case, the 12 pack. I just assume they buy that stuff. And one of the reasons that they do is because it's inexpensive relative to uh, all the craft beers and, you know, wine and hard liquor and things like that. That's people drink those beers because they're, they're inexpensive. So I would have, I would have assumed that the sort of person and I'm being judgmental here somewhat, but I would assume the sort of person that buys Bud Light in large quantities and then was offended by Bud Light's marketing campaign would have, well, I'm not drinking that no more and would have switched over to, it would have had to have been a beer that was competitively priced, uh, which is why I would have thought, well, they just went from Bud Light to Coors Light or Bud Light to Miller Light. So I would think Modelo by the six pack by the 12 or would have to be in that, a similar price vein. I think, and I, yeah, I think, uh, Yax is right. Yeah, it is, Doc. It's 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 it, very. Similar. It is, and and most of what where they got picked that up on was you know people going out to drink. Yeah, you know it's one thing to drink at your home. Most people, I mean, a lot of people. Yeah, there was an initial thing, and it's still down. But I mean, make no mistake, Bud Light was in Anheuser Busch is going to clear their shelves of their product. So if they drop their price down, people are going to come back just because. Oh, I can pick up a 24 pack cheap. Uh, sure. Uh, just right. remember that the Hispanic market is a growing market with a lot of disposable income. Sure. But I guess Not I, a lot of disposable income, growing disposable income. Well, and, so. and the thing is, is if everyone is going to start drinking Modelo, there's no way Modelo can keep up with that level of demand. They already can't. So prices already are rising on that product. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. And so it's already, you know, I, we, I've seen it for myself. People are, I mean, people are, I'm going to, let me get a Modelo. It's like, sure, here you go. Five bucks. And people are like, what? What? That surprises oh, yeah. me too. Cause I was just like, five bucks for Boy, a in a, in a, in a perfect, beautiful world. By the way, you- I just want to, I just want to give a shout out to my favorite Mexican uh, restaurant beer. And that is Pacifico. Pacifico I, for Mexican restaurants. I was actually going to mention um, uh, Pacifico. You guys were mentioning your favorite Mexican beers. Uh, when I directed a, a little film years ago, we, we got a beer sponsorship from a, a distribution. And uh, we we got a lot of uh, Negro Modelo. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of Mexican beers. But uh, I drank so much goddamn Pacifico. Uh, because we, we were filming in the summertime. And man, that, is, that Pacifico is so good yeah. when it's you're living on the surface of the sun here in, in central Texas. Uh, yeah. Pacifico's great. I, I guess I was thinking, you know, if people are giving up, you know, that many people are giving up and walking away from Bud Light, like how beautiful would it be if just, you know what, I'm going to try one of them IPA. Like what if they actually tried like a good beer? Holy shit. This tastes amazing. Like this has flavor and nuances. But no, or even they, just they, they like just... A, a an actual German Pilsner. It's just Anything. like what the what no. the fuck? It's not. They're it's not, not even. Look, the, they're the not even looking at the, the beer. They're looking at the price tags. Yeah, they they are strictly quantity over quality. You, know, you can never compete for that. 
Not unless you can take delicious IPAs or, you know, blonde ales or, or stouts and make them as cheap as. Which I guess, you know which I, I guess makes sense because if, you, if you're driving and you go to McDonald's and their drive throughs closed, you don't head over to Five Guys, you go to Burger King. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the first law of economics. I mean, if you're somebody that, that gets yeah. drunk on beer on, on the weekend and what you can afford is to buy a case of Bud Light, you're not going to start spending, you know, $14 a six pack for, for, a, for an IPA. Oh man, one of my, one of my beers for tonight was so stupid expensive. It was like, it would blow these guys' mind. Like, uh, I'm actually fine. I'm actually fine being a beer snob and i'm like look you want your bud lights you want your miller lights and you're happy with that that's fine i'm not going to try to convert you for beer go 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 to your grocery store buy your 24 pack and knock yourself out just run along run along uh anyway i just i just thought i'd follow up on our our last show i i thought that was interesting uh new new developments uh next next episode i'll be like Keystone coming in hard from behind takes the lead. It's just a one terrible beer after another. Uh, by Christmas, Bush Light is neck and neck with Red Dog. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. Uh, Red Dog's still out there. Do you know that? It let's, is. Uh, let's be everyone is allowed to change and everyone is allowed to evolve. And hopefully, people grow up and uh, their palates change and they hopefully become better off financially and enjoy nicer things in life. But uh, I can speak for not only myself, just, but people here tonight. There's a lot of those beers and and everybody's past here. I just, oh yeah, I mean, I I drank a shit ton of Bud Light, and I don't, I don't, I don't disparage. I mean, I don't disparage at the fact that I did it. I was in college. I was experimenting at the time, and you know, I was broke, and I did it. Uh, no, but uh, dude, we had a spot. We had a Bud Light sponsorship. I drank a crap ton of that. The thing that I think that I find the most amazing is that when I hear uh, like some cigar makers are famous for like marketing is a bunch of bullshit. I'll never spend anything in marketing. And, you know, people are like, marketing doesn't work. There's no point into marketing. Uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, there is a, there, there really is a point in marketing, even on a macro scale, such as Bud Light, that is dominating an entire industry. They are dominating that industry because of their marketing spin, because of their, their uh, forefront in mind. And then what caused people to get off of them? a misstep in marketing, not a change in formula. It's not like some new Bud Light, uh, you know, sugar-free Bud Light, whatever. It was straight up a marketing decision that drove millions away from their product and toppled them. Same thing happened with Pepsi. Pepsi didn't get beat out by Coke because Coke was a better product. Pep- Pepsi lower, had to lower their marketing spin and they fell off the radar. I just find it fascinating that, you know, Marketing does have such an impact in our industry. And I'm thinking uh, of the Simpsons episode where they have prohibition and you see the Duff beer owner coming out there and he's like, no, I'm not worried. Our new Duff Zero. Uh, we know that customers buy Duff for its smooth, rich taste and not its alcohol content. I'm sure Duff Zero <laughs> will sell as good as a regular band. And then 10 minutes later, the plant's closing and he's like, well, that's the end of me. 
how how because it came out around the same time as the film how forge cigar company didn't find a way to market this sucker with cocaine bear a giant horny grizzly bear that, that talk about missed opportunities um they should have been in every movie theater lobby with these things take they, a, can't take go, a, would be, they would be sued take, and they can't do that take a piece of cocaine bear home with you and put it in your mouth speaking of which uh how, how's <laughs> how's that cigar treating you guys it's fantastic construction is great wonderful stack of quarters over here Stack of 50 cent pieces. <laughs> by the end of the night, I'm doing the show by myself because on Easton's a bit just can't talk anymore. <laughs> I, I'm getting uh, a lot of woodsiness off the draw. Uh, there's a, a strong oak presence. I, I'm, I'm getting mixed with uh, some very, very not subtle earth. Uh, and then I, I, I am still, I'm about, I'm about uh, an inch in, so about 90% uh, left to go. And uh, still some black pepper on the nose, but uh, that's really it for me. Just a little woodsiness and uh, some earth. What about you, Tut? Yeah, I'm not going to call it strong woodsiness. Uh, I think that that's a bit strong, uh, it, but it's there. Uh, the pepper, it's like you're in the Appalachian Mountains. You're smoking no, the Appalachian Mountains. No, it's not. Uh the pepper is there. It, to me, it's kind of subdued. Um, yeah, it's me. It's medium strength to me. It's not overpowering. Uh, the oh no, me- no, it's not. Uh, but, it's, it, well, the cigar looks awful scary. It it, it isn't. Uh, it, it's actually the only thing scary about it so far is it, it, to me it has a very dry back end. Uh, that those forward flavors of of oak and and earth are. It just it's leaving my palate a little dry, uh, which means I'm gonna have to drink some more. So I guess that's terrible. That's a pro tip. Mouth gets dry, drink more. If you're if you're gonna make something like this, <laughs> why not lean in to just I mean the first impression when you look at this is it's going to be a hard hitting some bitch and it is going yeah. to be ruthless. So why not lean into that? And make it the most hardest hitting motherfucker out there, to where that pepper blast on that front end just hits you with the baseball bear sized dick that this is, and just yeah. knocks you on the floor just from that initial light. Your mama, Why? your mama sitting at home two towns over feels that strength kick her in the face when you light up the cigar. And you know what? The best seven by seventy. Hell, the best. Made one of the best 60 ranking gauges, but by far the only 70 uh, gauge cigar that I have thoroughly enjoyed and actually purchased more of after my initial one was the old member of uh, the Mayuzi weighs a ton. Mayuzi, yeah, from Drew State. Those were they did a seven by 70, and it did give you that awesome spice kick in the face, but it delivered a really nice uh, flavor profile. Uh, the Mu, the original Muwat. Uh, my Uzi weighs a ton was a, they're discontinued now. Sadly, that was one of my, my, uh, favorites from Drew state, Thanks, especially Chuck early on. D. Yeah. They changed it from my Uzi weighs a ton to Muwat. Uh, which, you know what? Drew state's really good at that though, because like the FDA told them they couldn't call cigars yeah. uh, natural anymore. The natural line. So like, 
You know what? We'll just spell natural backwards, assholes. The Larutin. Uh, oh, we can't call it My Uzi Ways a Ton. We'll call it the Muwat. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like the, uh, that cigar in a big, big ring gauge. Um, man, it, it's, it's just not really given me a lot. I will say this, surprisingly, the, I had to correct the burn line. It was getting super, it was running on me. It was getting super wavy. Uh, so I did correct it, but, uh, the draw is fairly okay. And, uh, a lot of smoke coming off this thing, mm-hmm. but, uh, not, not, not a lot more than that. Yak boy, is that, you getting that similar experience? I'm, I'm, I'm right about there. I'm, I'm a little like you, I'm gonna have to fix the burn line here in a little bit, but everything else, you know, I'm, I'm like you, that, that pepper has been nice here in the front. I'm just, I think I'm maybe a half, three quarters inch in. I, I'm, I'm never going to finish this thing. I'll be smoking it four days from now. I uh, well, no, I that's why I brought a, another cigar to the table tonight. I, I figured you might need a, a plan. No, no, it. I'm I'm finishing it four I, days from now, but I'm going to finish it. I'm There's just no the, amount, the amount of smoke this thing's putting out. I'm just worried that like some helicopters are going to start circling, like <laughs> like, like anything. I'm trying to signal for help. Uh, okay, well, hey, we'll get back to that uh, unless something jumps out at you. Let me know. Um, so, boys, in the old days, we would all drink the same beer or the same whiskey or the same whatever spirit uh, we wanted to feature. Uh, but ever since we moved to this format where we're not seated in the corner of Hope Together, we're all responsible for going out and selecting our own beers and seeing what – oh, by the way, well, I guess we'll get to that here with the drinks uh, – to see how different beers react uh, to our cigar, which I actually think that's a much better idea than us all kind of – following lockstep along with one another. Uh, so yeah, boy, as I mentioned, you are the co-owner and most handsome bartender at O'Brien's Irish pub in downtown historic temple, Texas. Could you please fill us and our listeners in on what we're all drinking tonight? Starting with Mr. Tuttle. Man, Mr. Uh, Tuttle. Who is very aptly, Chosen to find a beer that fits perfectly with our movie, by the way, from Bear King Brewing. Bear King Brewing. Nice. Foggy Eyes. The foggy never, High. Never heard of never heard of this uh brewery. I'm kinda uh, they're so actually very new. Uh they they uh started up in uh, 2019. Uh they are located in Marble Falls, so also another tie-in to our movie, Marble Falls. Waterfalls. Anyway, you know what? We'll, we'll come back to that later. Okay. Uh, the foggy multiple, eyes. Multiple tie-ins. Him and his good finds. Uh, the only thing, it's a it's a six percent ABV. They say fifty-five IBUs, but it's a hazy IPA, and I've found most hazies never get above fifty. So if they put that on there, they're liars. So yeah, it's, it's even, I, I have a hazy IPA, and it's uh, I'll get to that here, but it. It, it, there's there's practically no hoppiness. Um, but let's see. You're sh- it said that you should have a a huge tropical fruit flavors and a soft bitterness. Is this is this accurate. what you feel? I would say that's accurate. I think that soft. the soft the soft bitterness needs to be replaced with little to no bitterness. Um, the tropical, the tropical citrus 
it's there. I, I can I can dig it. Uh, yeah, it's the not pie? bitter. Uh, you can you can. There's a there's a little bit of a hop presence just to let you know that it is an IPA ish type beer. Um, but uh, it's it's a pleasant beer. It, it really is a pleasant beer. Easy drinking, even on a uh, for a hazy IPA. But then again, uh, you know I don't like the the bitter hops that you guys love in your IPAs. So if this is marketed to me, then good job. If it's marketing to you guys, and <laughs> y'all miss the boat. But it, it feels great on this nice, soft Texas evening. Brom laughs at your soft bitterness. <laughs> um, which, by the way, my therapist has been working with me really hard trying to encourage me to become much softer with my bitterness. And especially towards you guys. And I think we're making some progress. Forget the part it's about ongo- you guys. It's, it's, it's an ongoing work. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I imagine uh, it's not bringing anything to help the cigar. No. And in my opinion, it's, well, actually the undertone of the hop does lift up the, the woodsiness on that draw a little bit, but that's about it. That's about it. Okay. Uh, Interesting. All right. Yeah. Bad boy, let's move on to the doctor. The doctor uh, is not joining us smoking one of these these giant uh, cigars this evening, but he is drinking uh, a plethora of tasty beers. What's he drinking? Uh, from the wonderful Manhattan Project Beer Company, the Half-Life IPA, 6.2%, 33 IBUs. Oh, and I should have mentioned they are uh, located there in wonderful Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had some Manhattan projects before, haven't you, Doctor, on the show? Yeah. Uh, I have. It's possible I've had this one. Um, I enjoyed the uh, the Hoppenheimer. Uh, all of them have a. You know, I, love, the I love the project. the Manhattan Project being, of course, the nickname given to. Uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer's uh, project to create the atom bomb. They all they all have those kind of themes in them. I love the I love their naming themes. Uh, there's like the bikini atoll is one. Uh, so there's a double half life. I've been a fan of the. Uh, they've got quite a wide selection. I I am not interested in trying a coconut porter, but they have they have a quite a lot. Dude, uh, live live. Uh, oh, I'm living, Tut. I'm living, baby. Uh, we did we did the uh for our death wish episode we did death by coconut uh which was a porter uh doctor i'm the same with you i don't like porters at all but coconut porter get out of here i don't like coconut it was actually pretty damn good this is a good smooth beer and i would put it um i would also give it the recommendation of a summertime beer um I don't know if it's that's the hazy IPA aspect of it, but it definitely has a nice smooth. Uh, it, it's it's a good summer beer. Okay, uh, real quick, guys, I'm gonna jump in with a, an, a very important update on the cigar. I don't know if it's because of physics and just the size of this thing, but as I'm after I take a drag and I'm I'm looking at the cigar, not only does smoke travel along the body of the cigar, but it or it starts to orbit. There's like a ring of smoke that orbits around. It, it, the cigar is so large that it is exerting its 
own its own mass is creating yeah, gravity. gravitational pull. <laughs> yeah, it has its own gravitational force. Uh, this is this is crazy. Say this though, if you want to tune it up, get yourself a six pack of that Hoppenheimer. I think that goes about seven and a half on the Richter scale. That'll get it done. <laughs> I will say this after after I'm not even halfway into this cigar, and I have an all new respect for those girls that get on that bang bus. My God, this is this is a challenge, and I, challenge I don't accepted. Know, don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Don't know anything. Uh, Yank boy, what are you drinking? The hell are you? What did you select for this evening? I selected one of the things that you selected. Oh, you son of a bitch! I knew if I sent you too early. Oh, the good monster. The good, good monster. monster from. Hey, From Collective what, Arts Brewing. What what was on your can? You've got the other one. Is it a is that the Panther? No, this is a this is a set of hands. Like all their beers are different. They like every can has like yeah. almost yeah, I've got that one too. That's a bat. Yeah, I got like a bat on mine. Uh okay. So I got a, okay. This, I've got the one with the bat. This is like a set of hands, like scary hands or something. I don't know. It they they love to have like artists do drawings for their can art and like everything's different. So, but it, go, I'm sorry, continue. The, the uh, good monster, it's a double IPA, so it's it's ringing in at eight percent right there at the bare minimum, so to speak. Uh, I d- couldn't tell you about the IBUs, they didn't have anything listed, which this is very, very light on the IBU scale for me. So, but it is a it is a hazy. Uh, was this the, was this double dry hopped? Is that the deal on this thing? I believe. I don't think it's double dry hopped, but however, it is, it is, it is a hop monster, uh, mosaic, Simcoe, Amarillo, Citra. So Mm -hmm. they, and they, and I'm not quite sure I had to write it. This one, I had notes of mango, passion fruit, peach, papaya, Lemon, grapefruit, orange. So I mean, it's I, I, I'm fairly certain they were just writing random names of citrus fruits. <laughs> so I actually, I actually uh, am getting the peach. Are you getting a peach? A uh... little bit. I mean, like I said, I'm getting all. It's 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 very fruity, but I'm like, that's very specific. Yeah, no, it's it, it is peach heavy. Uh, it does have uh, yaks. Yeah, I'd put the IBUs. What do you think? Around mid seventies, maybe. Mm, I for me, I was gonna probably say it. IBUs is maybe maybe fifty. Oh wow! See, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting quite a bit of sting there on the tongue. Uh, which you would think. I'm actually I'm on my second beer selection now. Uh, I went to this one because I thought maybe the higher IBUs. Uh, I reviewed a cigar for the website uh, earlier this week. The All Saints. Uh, dedication and i as i was smoking it it was a san andreas maduro uh mexican wrapper and it didn't have that spice that i'm used to having with uh san andreas wrappers so i was like you know what i bet a really hoppy ipa might bring out some spice in that in that bad boy and i i had the the same thing here because the pepper for me is diminishing on this big cigar and i was saying maybe if i went to more hops maybe it would spark something and uh no, it's having no effect on the 
The cigar is impenetrable. Nothing can affect its course. It's going where it wants to go. Much like a star as its mass burns down, eventually it will collapse in on itself and create a black hole. It's it's just too much. It's going to kill you. It may kill me. Uh, okay, well, uh, you you spoiled uh, one of my beers, boys. We we haven't done a show in some time, and when I was when I was shopping for beers to pair with tonight's subjects, uh, I went a little crazy. Uh, um, just so a Yag little, Yak boy. I, I I'll talk about each one as I move through the night and switch gears. Uh, why don't you tell them about the one I started off tonight with? It is the New Belgium, one of my my favorite breweries, and one of my favorite series of IPAs, uh, the Voodoo Ranger. I began with the 1985 IPA, which is the year tonight's movie takes place uh, in 1985. What are the odds of that? Uh, Yag Boy, tell us a little bit about the 1985 IPA. Uh it, it is a line, the Voodoo Ranger line from New Belgium Brewing. Of course, they are most famous for their Fat Tire Ale. Everyone most probably would know that one. But, of course, they started back in wonderful 1991 in Fort Collins, Colorado, where they're still located. But the Voodoo Ranger came along, and, of course, they produced quite a lot of those in the 85. It's very good as well. I've had it. It's 6.7%. And it, that one says seventy IBUs. It's good. Nah, that's that's high. Uh, it, it's it's in the sixties, but it is also a, a fruit forward uh, bastard. Well, they did say that you would have wonderful notes of juicy. I believe they said mango. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's their whole selling point is the mango in this baby and. Uh, it, it was good. Again, I was hoping maybe that that sweetness uh, from the mango in the 1985 would bring out some of the natural sweetness of the Connecticut Broadleaf cigar. And once again, nobody tells the cigar what to do or how to behave. Uh, it it had no effect on the cigar, uh, but it is a great beer. And I, I, especially in the summertime, I drink the piss out of that uh, 1985 Voodoo Ranger. It's really, really good. Uh, and now I have moved on to Yak's beer for the night, the Good Monster. Uh, they called it Dippa here in the trendy little nicknames for double IPAs. Uh, it's a New England Dippa, which I usually don't like New England style IPAs, but uh, this is far from the typical New England style. It's it's good, and this is the beer I was telling would blow Bud Light drinkers' minds. Uh, I think this was twenty two bucks for a four pack. So that's yes. <laughs> It was a little up there, but I also noticed where we go to buy our beers, typically now, they no longer put price tags up. They just they just stopped putting them up. Correct. New owner came in, and we were worried that they were not going to have our delicious they, – they have a crazy – for a, a small town in Central Texas, they have an insane craft beer selection. But the new owners came in and we're like, oh boy, is he going to keep up with this? Because it's a lot to keep up with new beers and and new breweries. He's kept up with it, but but he he got rid of price tags. You don't know what you you don't know what you're paying till you get up to the register. So, and I was looking all over and I was like, yeah, I saw that he was doing it, but you know what? It's the only one I could find that I'm like, all right, you know what? It seems interesting. I'll give it a shot because yes, they also have just an insane amount of various different flavored beers and i'm like i'm i i don't need a, a cherry 
mango, wheat, whatever, I'm, I'm out. Just give me solid something. And plus, when I saw it, I, I, I saw like the candy hat there. It had the bat on it. I'm like, oh, there you go. That looks freaky. I'll take well, it. Well, hey, uh, a young, young character in tonight's film does refer to the cocaine bear as the monster. So it's only fitting that we drink the good monster. Correct. Uh, hey, let's face it. The cocaine bear is a good monster. It's not his fault. He's coked out of his mind. He's an he's an animal. He didn't know what he's doing. He didn't ask for this. He did not ask. He just shoved upon him. Hey, kind of like I shoved this upon you guys. (laughs) You didn't ask for this. Uh, Let me gently put this down here. Uh, Are y'all are y'all's ashtrays tipping over from the weight of this thing? I, I dare not put mine in the ashtray. Okay, well, I've I have tried thump- I've tried thumping the ash, and it said no. You broke your thumb. Yeah, it's like, uh-uh. okay. Well, uh, I, I actually do have two other beer selections. Like I said, I, I couldn't control myself. I went a little parent crazy this tonight, but we'll uh, we'll get to those uh, later on. Uh, well, folks, uh, especially new listeners, um, actually, let me switch that. Long-time listeners uh, will have noticed that so far this year, starting way back in December when uh, our big Steve Saka holiday special, uh, we started a little bit of a new format where we uh, do a thing called we call the fire pit. Uh, much like when we sit around the fire pit at uh, Yak Boy's house and catch up on each other's lives and things that we've been digging, whether it be movies, TV, music. Uh, we've kind of started this, this new thing on the show where we do a fire pit session where we kind of go around and catch up with what everybody in their own personal time has been digging. Uh, boy, one second. I think I got something. I'm actually getting woodsiness. The, the woodsiness is picked up for me a little bit and there's a little bit of a nuttiness, almost a cashew type, but it's got like a little pine to it as well. Little pine, a little nuttiness. I am actually getting some, uh, all of a sudden, I'm about, I guess, a third in at this point. I just got a, a, a some Nika uh, mineral uh, joining that, that pepper on the draw, uh, which, thank God, it's giving me something new. Uh, I'll I'll wait for those uh, nuts in my mouth that that Tud is getting. That's weird because I'm like an inch behind you. Yeah, usually you're way more inches in before you get the nuts in your mouth. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's how that works. Uh, yeah, Yak Boys. He, he's watched the Bang Buzz. He knows. Um, okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, well, while I was transparent earlier about waking up dazed to confused uh, most mornings after concocting my various drunk theories, Doctor, you just finished reading a book about the making of one of our all-time favorite films, the one and only Dazed and Confused. Uh, or did I did I get drunk and imagine that, too? No, you did not imagine that. So uh, the book that- is uh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, it is an over 400-page oral history of Dazed and Confused. Uh, the author is one Melissa Mars, or Mayers, M-A-E-R-Z. We'll go with Mars, easier to say. So it's literally an oral history. She interviewed everyone, and I mean everyone. So it has, uh, and, and everybody, with the exception of uh, 
Sean Andrews, who played Pickford, more on him later. Okay. And, uh, Mila Jovovich, who was his girlfriend in the film. Everyone else participated at, at great length. Wait, did so, Mila, Mila did participate? She did not. She did not. Really? Uh, th- those two did not. Um, everybody else. So th- th- it uh, starts off with background on, on Richard Linklater and, uh, you know, his his background growing up in or his background as a young man uh, growing up in Huntsville in the late 70s. Uh living in Austin in the eighties, which that's very interesting. She talks about how, you know, different Austin was in the eighties versus today. It was a, uh, you know, a place that was not expensive to live. A lot of, a lot of hipsters and artists were living there unemployed doing their thing. Um, talks about the making of the film slacker. Uh, but then it, it really gets into the nuts and bolts of the film. And I mean, you've just got participation from everybody, ton of participation from McConaughey, Ton of participation from Ben Affleck, everybody, Cole Hauser, Wiley Wiggins, Sasha Jensen, uh, just even the smallest actors and the smallest supporting roles. Uh, everyone just takes you through the entire making of the movie, you know, McConaughey's, you know, discovery, if you want to call it that, through the making of the film and its post-production process and uh you know, it, it, so for fans of the film like us, I mean, I'm a diehard fan of the film. I, I think we all follow absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, you know, borderline almost obsessive with it at times uh, throughout our lives. Uh, Cause it came out at a certain time in our lives and I've seen it in the last few years. It still holds up and is still entertaining to me. I highly recommend it. Uh, fascinating book. Um, so I'll just touch on some of the more interesting aspects of it. Sure. I was about to say, what's the what's the most interesting thing that you learned? Uh, so a couple of things. Um, one, uh, I didn't realize that the you know Universal was going to produce it, and, and they did. They have the Universal logo at the beginning, but they didn't really know what to do with it, uh, so they handed it off to Gramercy Pictures. And this was kind of before you had uh, Fox Searchlight and Focus Features and those things. And Linklater said, and the book was compiled from, I think, 2014 to 2018, because uh, she she interviews everybody, you know, it's hundreds of interviews. Uh, so Linklater was like, I, he just said, I never thought Universal really wanted to make this picture. And he thought they kind of buried it. They didn't market it. And as a result, it didn't make shit at the box office. Yeah. Uh, but then it just, it, and I, I didn't remember that, that I, I know I didn't see it in the theater, but uh it, it really didn't do well there at all, but then had this huge explosion. Um, some some other just real quick interesting things. Uh, apparently, the guy that played Pickford, a guy named Sean Andrews, uh, by multiple accounts in this book, um, and I would say McConaughey is he's very forthcoming and he, all the stuff he says is very cool. But some of the people 20 some years later, 25 years later, throw a few darts at, at others. Uh, McConaughey doesn't do that. Affleck doesn't do that. They're they're a little more careful. They're a little more media savvy. Apparently, the guy that played Pickford was a total asshole. Uh, thought he was the next Marlon Brando. <laughs> um acted like it and 
they have a chapter devoted to what an ass that guy was and how oh, he really? just yeah how he just tried to upstage everyone uh and that at one point Richard Linklater had to almost get in between him and Jason London because Jason London had just had enough and was going to punch the dude. Uh, and Rory Cochran, who plays Slater, yeah. in an interview in that chapter, he says, if everybody's bashing on that guy today, that's what I call poetic justice. He said the dude was a dick. He tried to do stuff to take away from other people in scenes. Jeez. And as a result of that... It wasn't just that McConaughey was so good. It was because this guy was such a dick and didn't get along with people. That's how the Wooderson part grew. That Wooderson ended up being in scenes that Pickford was supposed to be in. But because he just didn't get along with everybody and... Uh, that ended up allowing, you know, people are like, you know, with McConaughey, like, this guy's great. We got to put more of this dude in here. Yeah. Same time he had this whole, it was like, well, like the whole, the whole, apparently the whole scene on the football field when they're smoking their joint at the climactic scene, that's supposed to be Pickford instead of Wooderson. Wow. So he really really was. That would have never made any sense whatsoever. He really was. Exactly. Because you have, you have the, the star quarterback, delivering these life lessons it well, sounds no, no. great it sounds great coming from would have been yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't mistake, the initial man. that wasn't the initial script that wasn't yeah. the way it was actually gonna go so he he was really prickford yes and in fact rory cochran says that he goes we called him prickford off off camera well you know what i i this, i'm gonna say this i thought he was really good at the in the fun in the finished film i always Everybody was good in the finished film. Sure. But I would I would think I don't is the guy still acting? Did he ever act again? Uh a very small resume and the last things like over 10 years ago. I would think these guys are all at this point in their early 20s when they're doing this film. Yes. Nobody is on their best behavior or making the wisest of, of choices in your early 20s. Yes, there there's plenty of guys that do the right thing and are gracious and and have basic manners and and things. But man, I would think maybe he would have jumped at the chance to kind of just do a mea culpa and be like, "I was a dick. I'm sorry. I I was a young actor. I was thought I was hot shit. I it maybe use this opportunity to kind of just." Apologize if no, uh, double down, double down. He, he went on it. Nope, just pay. I think at the beginning, she says, like, she it was Mila Jovovich's publicist said she wasn't available, and she tried Sean Andrews, I guess, still had an agent who said he wasn't available. So, like, everybody else participated. He did not want to apparently come back to this well. Uh, interesting. I thought that was very interesting, but it was a twofold. It was like when they put McConaughey in front of the camera as Wooderson, not only did that click. But it was also like, well, we actually have room to make some room for this guy because this other dude, it's just not working out. And uh, Linklater made a comment that he said, he said, he goes, I think Sean tried to really 
uh, form a, a relationship with me. And he said, when it's an ensemble movie, you really should have been formulating it with the ensemble. Um, so that, that part, but then interestingly, I'll say this, there's some comments. Um, they, they did have a, a 10 year reunion party in 2003. Yeah. I remember that. Even that's now 20 years ago, but it was. And so at that point, McConaughey's a pretty big star. Yeah, it was in Austin. I think at the draft house. Yeah. Uh, so even that's now 20 years ago, but at that point he's a big star. And it sounded like from both both Jason London and Sasha Jensen took a couple of shots at McConaughey. It sounded like there was some bitterness there. Uh, like Sasha Jensen said something about, you know, it was this big ensemble thing. And then we go to this 10-year reunion and McConaughey shows up with bodyguards. And Richard Linklater has made several movies with McConaughey. He's defended him. He's like, that's not true. McConaughey's not the bodyguard kind of guy. He was like, that's why guys like him shouldn't do this and usually don't because people just are bitter and project shit on him and all that. Oh. Uh, so there, there was some interesting stuff about it, but uh, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, there's all sorts of uh, good stuff in there. Uh I if I if I could Dr. the thing that nobody in 1993 it just so happened this insanely awesome movie about a senior year of high school came out when we were senior going into our senior year of high school so that's kind of where we all really struck a chord with us then it really struck a chord cuz this was us watching this as seniors, uh, we, we graduated in 1994. So, and these, these characters on screen, granted, you know, uh, 20, a little less than 20 years earlier on screen are doing the same, uh, keg parties, the same cruise in the streets of the small town. It was just like, we hadn't, nobody had made that movie I mean, I'm not talking about like fucking American graffiti and all that shit that we would never be able to. There's a lot of comparisons between American graffiti. and It was when it came out, but 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 we weren't getting together and uh, and 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 drinking beers and watching American graffiti. It it that's not it didn't resonate with us. Where I don't know if it was the Texas connection. I don't know if it was the music. You know the all the above. Unlike American Graffiti, which has like the American Bandstand music in it, you know, my first concert was Aerosmith, and this movie starts up like you said with the Paramount logo with Sweet Emotion, the bass line. Sweet, sweet Emotion with that sweet ass '69 Judge GTO. Yeah, and it was, and it was like, dude, Doctor and I drove down two things. We drove down. There was a wonderful bookstore uh, down in Austin that we would frequent by the Highland Mall. I believe it's called the Bookstop. Yes. Uh, we drive down there and I picked up, I still got it. Uh, the days are confused and it's basically a yearbook. And it was, oh, compiled, sweet. it was compiled by Richard Linklater as a companion piece. Oh dude. I, it went straight to Pickford. <laughs> uh, but dude, we, we used to go down there all the time. We cruised down to Austin. It was a quick, you know, 45 minute drive to downtown. I picked this up and you know, 101 Ways to Smoke Pot at School by Slater. Uh, we just love this movie, but I don't know if you guys remember this. Yak Boy, tell me if you do. This is something that could never 
be done today. And I can't honestly believe that they let it be done then. But do you guys remember our senior year? Movies would promote themselves by sending the schools book covers for your textbooks. Remember that like kind of mylar gloss? glossy book covers that you would put your textbook spine in and fold around the edges to protect the textbooks. I had one of Chris Rock from CB4, which that didn't make sense in the school. (laughs) The only two I remember wrapping my books in that my teachers gave me was a dazed and confused book cover and Bruce Campbell and the army of darkness book covers. And can you imagine if kids today, like you're not allowed to do, anything without parents going through the roof can you imagine if if you kid came home today with bruce campbell with a chainsaw and zombies on the book cover or fucking days confused with dudes with a joint sticking out of their mouth but dude, well, our, te- you know, our teachers were handing them out right and left like you got to protect your books yeah because that, they were free and the teachers are like great here book covers yeah. take them <laughs> i mean it could have uh, been I you know, know it could have literally just been a guy with like, you know, with a chair trying to beat his parents, and then it'd be like, perfect. It'll it'll protect the books. <laughs> Give it to the kids. Two more quick little, very quick little anecdotes from it. Uh one is just to go, I think it's all the above, Kate, on the factors, but one like Richard Linklater had said initially, and he said this in other places, you guys may have read it, that he wanted to make an anti-John Hughes movie. Uh he just said that because his high school experience was not the girl from this side of the tracks dates the boy from this side of the tracks and it splits the high school down the middle and there's all this drama. He said, that wasn't my high school experience. He said, my high school experience was not a lot of drama, trying to fit in, try to have fun. And this is where 76 probably wasn't a whole lot different from 94. He said, there was a lot of just driving around on Friday and Saturday nights with nothing to do with your friends, listening to music, looking for a place to to drink and get high. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that kind of, that, that hits home. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then who knows if this is true or not, Jason London, I, I've always had a soft spot for the guy going back to this movie. He's he, he, uh, look at his resume. It's the opposite of Pickford. Uh, he never became a huge star. He's been an over, he has over a hundred credits. He, he does a lot of, he's done some sci-fi channel horror movies. He does some Hallmark channel movies. He's in a ton of stuff. Uh, he claims that, uh, and it's on, it's on the cover here. Cause there's, you got him and Wooderson and Sasha Jensen in front of the Emporium. He claims that the one and only time he met Quentin Tarantino, that Tarantino went, Jason fucking London and offered to give him $200,000 for the belt buckle pipe that he wears. And Jason London said, I, I wouldn't sell it. I still have it. Wow. Tarantino was like knew who he was to go to him and said he'd give him $200,000 right then for that belt buckle. And he was like, he said he didn't do it. He still has it. So, hey, by the way, uh, listeners at home, uh, Jason London is brilliant in the sci fi uh, creature feature, Dam Sharks. Uh, D A M. They're sharks that attack a dam in this uh, river. And uh, he's this corporate CEO who's taking his employees out on a Get to know you retreat, and uh, he, he's gold in it, baby. He's gold. He's also I have he, a. Uh... He's also fantastic in Mississippi River Sharks. <laughs> I haven't saw that one. Uh, I think he I might have plays to... himself in that. 
I think I might have a Mississippi River in my underpants after I'm done with a cigar. Uh, no, he did play himself in that, Doctor. And just went I, uh, from, like as a, as a as a B actor who shows up drunk all the time. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a London fan, and he he always uh, he you can never say that guy mailed anything in. I have a term paper coming up, and it's about uh, uh, it's about movies. And the topic is she gave us a list of the Academy Awards top 100 films of all time. And yeah. uh, she was like, pick one, make your case or pick something that's not in it and make a case. And uh, actually make what it, I was thinking of, I'm what sorry, I was thinking to, to, to make your case for why it, sh- it should why be, the, it should, it should be the and number then, one or the, or just in that top 100. Of all Make time. your case for why it was right to be included or why it was wrong to be included. Right. Or pick something else outside and make your case for why it should be. Gotcha. Uh, and by the, the thought that I had coming, and this is before tonight, but I'm, I'm going to do it now, uh, was that Days and Confused should be in there with the reasoning that it should replace American Graffiti altogether. Uh, American Graffiti is a great film, but it is, I mean, it's a time capsule, but, you know, films relate to audiences and, you know, who's talking about American Graffiti other than film buffs? There's not a lot of people that it resonates with. You know, this film covers the same subject matter. It has so many stars that went on to, to brilliant careers. Same thing. You could also make a case for Fast Times at Richmond High. Sure. Uh, that 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 casting list went on to it's it's got multiple Oscar winners in it. Uh, which, so, yeah, you know what? which which some might say that was the eighties. The answer to Days Confused in the seventies, Fast Times at Ridgemont High in the eighties. Um, those movies, you, you guys got to read this book because they both mentioned those flicks and as in the okay. Pre- well, you know what, my my, well, my you know, my, and well, I would actually say the one thing that I would take part is like I I like Fast Times, but once again, Fast Times only works if you if you know California, you know, surfing and all that other stuff. But the thing I love about Days and Confused, I mean, if you took it outside of Texas, if you if you if you said don't do a, an accent. Well, it could have been Indiana. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it, it fits so yeah. well anywhere. It's universal. But I think that I think the danger that we run into, though, is that you know I grew up in a very small town, and so we were cruising. We were literally going around the mall, uh, down the main drag, around Sonic, back down the main drag, around the mall, and we would just do that for like hours upon hours, just trying to find something to do. They don't do that anymore, uh, and so I mean. I wonder if, like, today's people, today's younger people are looking at that going, what the fuck is a drag? What's up with all this hazing stuff? You can't do that. Uh, yeah. I wonder if it's, I wonder if now Days of Confused has lost that title. Just like I'm critical of American Graffiti saying it's it's lost its voice, I wonder just how long Days of Confused can have a voice with younger audiences. I think I think it's more universal, uh, and I think it'll it'll have legs well beyond um, American Graffiti. I I look at like you said, American Graffiti is big with film buffs. I I look at that as like you know people that when they talk music, constantly reference like you son of a bitch, Elvis Costello or oh, okay. or 
you know, oh, I'm I'm a big uh, you know, early Dylan fan. And it's like it's just one of those things you say, but and our 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 fifth member, Fritz Beer, uh a, one of my most respected uh musical references, he and I get into all the time, like nobody's nobody can fucking name five Elvis Costello songs. It's just something you say to sound smart when you're talking about music. And that's kind <laughs> of how I look at Diner and American Graffiti. Like, oh yeah, you love it. When's the last time you watched it? Oh, once in college. Give me a break. Nobody is popping in American Graffiti or Diner and and watching this shit repeatedly. Cause it, no, it's it, it 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 it's aged itself out. It wasn't it's it's you know you might as well watch a fucking episode of Happy Days for God's sake. Which yeah, and even then, like you know, um, everybody was like, "Oh, Wolfman Jack was iconic." Really? When's the last time you've heard anybody mention Wolfman Jack? Well, you can walk down the street, go, "All right, all right, all right," and people know exactly what you're talking about. Sure. So I got to bring it back full circle to what I mentioned before the show. Obviously, the movie's called Dazed and Confused. Uh, Richard Linklater in his soundtrack initially, and Cade, you'll really appreciate this. On one of the pages, it shows all the songs he wanted to be in the soundtrack. Elvis Costello. There were <laughs> no Elvis Costello songs, Tut, but there were, there were about... 72 Elvis Costello songs. <laughs> there were, I don't think he has that many. There were four or five different Led Zeppelin tracks that he wanted to use. Yeah. And of course, as you pointed out, they're notorious for not wanting to let anybody play a song in their movie. Uh, if you watch the Fast Times at Ridgemont High audio commentary, they actually play a Led Zeppelin song in there, but that was because Cameron Crowe knew members of the band, so he was able to pull sure. a favor. But uh, they still were notorious for not letting anybody use it. And apparently, Linklater got a hold of Jimmy Page, who said fine with me i'm good i'm cool but you got you got to get robert to sign off on it too and he said robert plant like gave a vehement no and i guess at the time link later said something like well jimmy page was he was pissed off so he was like well jimmy page was the real talent there robert plant's just a construction worker with a nice voice or something like that That's what Link. That's what Link later said. Yeah, he apparently called Robert Plant either like a either like a gas station worker or a construction worker with a nice voice. Just said Jimmy Page is the real. You know what? I always bitter at all. I always Robert Plant apparently moved to Austin later, and so Link later the later is like he's like yeah I said that shit, and he was like. I, I always heard you'd see that guy stumbling around the Whole Foods or whatever, picking out his beats, and I was always afraid I'd run into him at some point. <laughs> you know what, though? I always kind of respected that that universal nobody's using our music because the Doors have done that. You'll never hear a Doors song in anything, uh, very rarely, without all three Survive members doing that. And I knew that Led Zeppelin was very, very much in that vein, especially with, I knew the days and confused stuff. Come on, baby, ride my tires. <laughs> Michelin tires. Come on, baby, ride my tires. But no, but then I remember this, it was a, it was a while back, but all of a sudden Led Zeppelin, I'm watching the Super Bowl or something. And there's like a Pontiac commercial and it's like immigrant song. It's like, hi, Go to the earth and snow with the wind. I'm like, 
Oh, well, really? You you wouldn't let fucking Richard Linklater usually, but fucking Pontiac or whatever the hell it was? Like, so I'm guessing 30 years they ago. They all got three cars. Money. <laughs> 30 years ago, yeah. they didn't need the money, and now they do. Uh, but then it was funny because apparently when he said that, apparently that got back to Robert Plant that he called him uh, that said Jimmy Page is a real talent and he's a construction worker with a nice voice. And apparently that really hurt Robert Plant's feelings. <laughs> Somebody said like Robert Plant said like he didn't understand how one artist could say such a thing about another artist, which I thought was the most pretentious little horseshit I'd ever heard in my life. But I, I, like, of, I like the idea of Linklater like knowing that long-haired 70-year-old Robert Plant goes to Whole Foods to buy his his vegetables and he he's like i I hope i don't run into him (laughs) did he actually say he was there to buy beets or did you make that up because that's that's really the perfect thing you could say in that story for buying at whole foods the whole foods part was true i don't remember the beets part if you made that up on the fly congrats sir because beets was the I might have made the beats up. I, I don't. I don't remember that part. All I can imagine now is like they're in the milk section, and all of a sudden they both reach for the same gallon of milk. They look over like you, son of a bitch. Well, it'd you. Be, it'd be goat's milk, obviously. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, or soy milk or almond, whatever the whatever they drink nowadays. No, nobody breaks down the the logic and science behind jokes better than Jerry Seinfeld. And he does this thing where uh, I think he was talking to Howard Stern and they were talking about this bit he used to do where it was about riding in taxi cabs. And you look at this guy shuttling you through New York City at the speed of light and you look through the the glass partition from the back seat and you see his his taxi cab ID. And it's like 20 consonants. And then the periodic element symbol for boron. And Howard Stern was wise. And he's like, why boron? He's like, that made that joke funny. Out of all the elements, why did you pick boron? And he's like, well, I went through all the elements. And, you know, magnesium, that's not funny. Boron, that's funny. And what the doctor just did is in a perfect example. If you said Robert Plant was at Whole Foods shopping for carrots that's not funny robert plant with his long ass hair shopping at seven years old for beets that's funny good on you man okay well then give me credit because i did make i did make the beats up here here's here's the the actual quote from link later i'm still embarrassed by what i said about plant and i learned not to take things so personally he was actually living in south austin for a while not that long ago i had friends who'd end up hanging out with him they all talked about what a great guy he is. He'd be at Whole Foods and other spots around town. I was actually a little nervous that I might somehow end up in a situation where I got introduced to him. It never happened, but I dreaded seeing the expression on his face. So I, I did throw in the beats part. Okay. All right. Well, doctor, uh, you read uh, books so the rest of us don't have to. Good on you, brother. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I, I highly, if you, if you do like to read, I, I, I really recommend this one, though. I'll just, uh, can I borrow yours? Trade it to you for that one. Biography. Please? Uh, we'll see. Okay. So far I'll, let, I'll let you borrow my Warren Oates uh, biography in exchange, if that's okay. It's my goddamn book. It's my book. <laughs> Doctor let me borrow a Warren uh, Oates biography a decade ago, and I, I still have it on my shelf. I haven't read it, but it looks really cool to visitors like, Oh man, this guy read a book on Warren Oates. 
He's almost, you're going to see you're going to see a quote in the local newspaper where I refer to Tut as the real talent behind this podcast and you're just a construction <laughs> worker with a nice voice. He's just a construction <laughs> worker with a beautiful speaking voice cuz he's related to Keith A. Howell and uh still got my fucking Warren Oates book. Uh boys, you get anything? Dude, I will say this. Woodsy Earth Pepper Mineral. I still haven't gotten Tut's nuts in my mouth. Well, not to, not tonight anyway. But look at this ash. I'm almost to the band on this thing. That ash has to weigh two pounds. It's the heaviest ash I've. It's it's, it's never going to fall apart. It's not. I had fun. to hit mine with a hammer before it broke off. It just uh, it's ridiculous. Did you, did you tap it off just to be safe? I did. I did a little bit because of if it down. accidentally fell, it would burn your house down. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm going to go ahead and tap it, or should I try to keep it going? Keep you it going. What? I'm a cigar scientist. I'm going to keep it going. You got to uh, do I'm what sorry. Gloria Cubana wants to do. You got to do what <laughs> Gloria Cubana wants you to do. Right? Everywhere, every cigar you smoke, there's going to be more rules that are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> are you guys getting anything else from the cigar at this point? No. It's no, still right there. Straight it, up woods for it, me. I'm hoping, you know, I, I'm about halfway, so I'm hoping maybe there will be some change a little bit stronger. Yeah. More flavorful towards the second half. No, I uh, will. You know, you know what? Just, that that head shake was not very encouraging. I am just now in this. Are you in the second half of the cigar yaks already? I'm. 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 I think I'm getting close, but I. I think it's actually burn, beginning to burn slower. As the, I'm way as, behind. As it, Okay, because you're you're at an hour and ten minutes, Tut. I, I was I had higher hopes. I, you are behind me, Tut. I I have removed the bands. Yeah. And I can actually tell the halfway mark because my ash is still there from the beginning. So I, I'm not quite there, but uh, my God. Uh, okay. Well, I will say the uh, the mango heavy 1985 IPA didn't do anything to bring out the sweetness. The Higher IBU, double IPA, the Good Monster has done little to bring out the spice. Maybe my third beer selection tonight will fare better. We'll find out here shortly. But, hey, speaking of books, Doctor just read a book, Yaks. You recently have been watching an HBO series based on a book series, His Dark Materials, which yes. which surprisingly is not about that stack of highly questionable magazines you found in the doctor's nightstand years ago. Am I correct? Um, I, the, the, this TV series is not. I think there's another one. It's like his dark materials asterisk. That might be about that. No, this one actually is good. Um, None of you have any proof. <laughs> Yak saw what he saw. Just keep on living, Doctor. Just keep on living. <laughs> no, it's a good series. They did. I think. I think they did a good job with it. You know, a lot of people had been very controversial because it was. It had such a, you know, religion. You know that you could tell it was a it was religion is the background, and people used it. What what's around them? So yeah, it was. People said it was a, this guy's screed upon the Catholic Church, but. I was I, I mean I really took away from it. It basically it could be any religion. It's going there's gonna be those who adhere so strictly they push everybody else out. But uh the other thing, I mean, I do like the effects. I like the I like I did like the story. I mean, I never 
Well, Rick, well yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of us that have no fucking clue what you're talking about, what what is his dark materials? What it what, so what, the basis give, is like give it's us, like give us the thirty second synopsis. All right, so imagine a world semi magical, but not it's about nineteen fifty. They've got dirigibles, so slightly steampunkish, a little bit more advanced. Uh, it, you've got a, a large world. Did you say gerbils? Dirigible. Hot air balloons. They travel by hot air balloons. Everywhere? Like to the store? No. I can't I can't do this with you. Oh <laughs> no. Uh so but they also have sort of this kind of magical these people in this world, they all have what they call a demon, which is effectively their spirit animal that tra- that travels beside them. Okay. So it, it it draws from a lot of different sources in that. And, of course, their spirit animal, everybody can see them. Their spirit animals talk, and, you know, you people can see and, and interact so with them. You're stuck for, the, for your entire life with this spirit animal following you around? Yes. Do you get to choose your spirit animal? Right. Spirit Actually, animal you, you do get to choose. Well, when you're younger, your spirit animal can change shape. But once you reach a certain age... Your it the the form of the animal stays and as one thing like that's what it's always going to be. So like you know it sucks if your spirit animal is a slug and the other guy has you know like a, a panther, an eagle. My my spirit animal is a mountain lion. What's yours? I got a, a grasshopper. Like oh, is there a but guy I'm- with is there a guy with a slug for a spirit animal? Well, there's people that have like insects, spiders, butterflies. There's people that, you know, have like, you know, a snow leopard. Spider is a great infiltrator. Do not discount the spider. But I'm also going to say like, you know, because of the spirit world animal, if if these people came to my world, the first thing that would happen would be like, book. Smash the! Yeah, you uh, just, I killed your spirit animal. You just you just took a, a magazine and crushed my spirit animal. I am so sorry. Oh, I I took my eight pound cigar and I'm killing your spirit animal by trying to put out the ash on it. But if the if the spirit animal's demonic, can it just shrug that book off and then be like, guess what? I'm from the seventh layer of hell, and you're dead. Well, unfortunately, your spirit animal. Is also still organic in this world. Yeah, it's really uh, it's a, it's a strange. Thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm the only one that was thinking of young guns in the spirit world, asshole. They can't see us. <laughs> you see the size of that chicken. Have, if there had actually been someone with a giant chicken in the TV show, I'd have been like, I know what that's from. I know what that's from. You see, I would want to be. I would want to be some sort of bird so that I had the power of flight. Well, no, you don't have the powers of your spirit animal. They just hang out with you. Yes. That's what's so weird about it. Like, I have this, you know, it's like I have this beautiful owl. What do you do with it? Oh, we just play video games, you know, whatever. Like, like, yeah. You could like, even I, get I, it, though, right? To, like, go shit on people's cars and stuff. I mean, you probably could. But. If it wants to, but you got to talk to it and make some mutual decisions. Granted, Kate, in any relationship, you have to put forth some effort. I don't know. I, I'm just figure, picturing a world where I'm like sitting on the couch watching, you know, the XFL at 
two in the morning, a replay on a Sunday night, sit next to my spirit animal, a fucking turtle, just <laughs> drinking IPAs with a goddamn turtle. Like that doesn't sound like the worst life. What if you were like oh, Hasselhoff so in that movie and you had the puma? But let me ask you this, Yax. In the oh, show, yeah, the puma. In the show, like that, there has to be like m- romantic relationships. So if you, if like a couple gets together, they have to be okay with their spirit animals because they're coming along for the ride, right? Basically, yes. Can you just tell your spirit animal to go wait on the couch? I mean, it's a fucking turtle. Well, I'm not saying like they have to be like side by side with them like every second they can't oh, see there's yeah. a certain amount of distance there's an independence there yes so it's like I, mean, I, you- I don't think their spirit and i was like you know i don't think their spirit animals like right next to them while they're in, like oh i should have ate that eighth taco i gotta go to the restroom come in here with me okay i, like, that, I, like I was thinking idea. why is was- that sock tied on that doorknob my parrot's getting busy in there <laughs> Well, no, I was thinking they had to be closer than that. Like you're, you, you go on a date and you're getting intimate with a woman and she's like, whoa, what's, what are you doing back there? And like, oh no, that's my chipmunk spirit animal. He, he's, he's getting in on the action. Like, oh God. It, it doesn't work like that. No. At least they didn't. Oh, that's my, imply. I mean, oh yeah. This is a TV really show. Fun. I mean, the books may have that. Like I said, I didn't read the books. I watched the show, which I, I took the lazy way out. Okay, but you like it. It's it's entertaining. It was entertaining, yes. I think they did a good job. Okay. Well, I also have watched a television show. I've watched a few, actually. Uh, one we'll get to later. I actually, for the first time ever in my entire life, binge-watched a series in one night. I've never done that. Wow. I bet which you is... I know exactly which series it is. We'll see, my friend. Uh, that's a we we shall see. I I don't think you will, but it, it was so expertly constructed to where every episode ended on such a cliffhanger. I had no choice. We just kept going, and yeah. uh, seven hours later, boom, we 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 did it. I've never done that before, but uh, and man, I paid the price the next morning. My God, uh, but anyway, uh, I. Over the course of probably two nights, watched uh, the new Netflix series Fubar, starring the one oh, I lost. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that wasn't the oh. one that got me all the yeah. way through. And, and to be honest, uh, the last two episodes, kind of everything yeah. great that came before it, it kind of petered out a little bit towards the end. Have any of you guys checked out Fubar? I've only seen two uh, two episodes. You saw the first two. Yaks, did you see them all? Done. I loved it. I thought it was it was true lies with a more raunchy comedic angle. It was true lies with a more tongue-in-cheek comedy angle. It was true lies that was much more in kind of my comedic sensibilities with uh, sound effects and ridiculousness. But at the same time, they play it so straight that you don't lose track of the path of the story. Uh, Arnold hasn't done something this good since he came out of retirement after being governor. 
uh, he is in his element with Fubar as a grizzled old semi-retired CIA agent uh, who discovers right before he retires that his daughter is also a CIA agent and they must now work together over the course of the series to stop this, this terrorist man. It's fun with a capital F I doctor, you would love it. It's just fun. It's just really, really fun. And where uh, the Tulsa King show I, I didn't finish with Stallone was ridiculous to the point of it's taking itself seriously when the things that are going on are too ridiculous to be serious. It it didn't get the tempo right in Tulsa King. This is pure 80s CIA killing terrorist nonsense. It It, it nails that genre that has passed us but it has so much fun with it i highly recommend fubar uh and a really fun cameo by tom arnold am i right yes oh yes i that was one that because i i did not look at like who all is in the series i didn't know I that was com- i didn't know i didn't know it was coming either and man talk about bringing just a the, inter- the introduction of his character is still just, it kills me. I love it. I'm going to just say that. Bringing in that, because True Lies is as much Tom Arnold's movie as, as it is Arnold. And, I, and, I, and the way I put this movie is like, it's is True Lies, but it's that imagine that the family me? never I mean, learned that he was about how CIA. great it is. And... Hold on. You guys are talking over each other. What'd you say, uh, Yax? I said to me, it's like true lies, but his family never learns that he's a secret agent, and they just yeah. Oh, Tut, were you saying that we're spoiling it for you? I mean, you want to tell me who else is is in this thing? That's introduction was so great and spectacular, we and that you know, and, we, and we spoiled not out. We, we spoiled done nothing. I said I loved it. That doesn't mean you're going to love it. You could hate it. I didn't know that Tom Arnold was going to be there, and I was looking forward to enjoying the thing as a fresh take it wasn't so much that he was there it was what he did with the role his actual when he pops up isn't some great thing tom arnold you know and, tom arnold and you won't even like it terrible they, uh i will like no, it yak boy not i'm gonna be your thing i'll show you i'll show you no that's I, one of the things that, that's that's one of the things that i thought was interesting is that uh in true lies you know arnold's got Arnold's got comedic talent. There's no doubt about it. But it, it it just made it so much better that he was still, you know, the the big hulking action dude that would swing that would swing into unexpected uh, comedy stuff. But then he had Tom Arnold that was just knocking home runs out of every single scene that he was in. And it's interesting that when you fast forward, and I started watching Fubar and how. You know, Arnold's not that physical presence that he is yeah. or that he was back then, but yet he was able to swing into that comedic stuff. Like, I'm sorry, the 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 deal with the lipstick in the very first, it was transparent, but it was still so damn funny, even though you knew what was happening and you knew it was gonna come, and it was still funny just to watch Arnold do the stuff and, and go through the go through the the uh the the parent the father daughter stick. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Arnold's in it. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear that he's doing good in it. I, I look forward to seeing that. Uh, keep watching it, 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 and it, and it finishes with the 
Well, no, I'm not going to spoil that for you, Todd. Uh, just watch it. I, th- I think you'll like it. Doctor, I think you'll like it. Uh, the scene that the Tut referenced when uh, Arnold finds his his daughter's lipstick container, but it's actually a vibrator, and he can't get it to turn off, and they're they're having this father daughter moment as her vibrator's shaking all over the the dresser. Uh, it, it, like Tut said, you can see the the gag a mile away, but it's, it, but they, it's been done. It's been done before, and you see it coming. But it's yeah. still so funny when they do it. It is, and uh, I thought, and I thought uh, the chick that plays his daughter is very good. She 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 handles the every aspect of it really really well. Quick question: um, Obviously, he still lifts weights and everything, but now he's almost like what seventy five. Does he still look like he's at that age, like he's in shape? I mean, obviously, you can't stay. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he I mean, looks great. Even that, everything else, I mean, yes, he still works out. I mean, the the, the running gag in the in the show is his 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 cover from being a CIA agent all these years is that he owns this gym equipment business. And there's a scene where I don't know why it made me laugh, but he and his daughter have a lot of conflict and she's like, you're just a, you're just a 250 pound moron that blah, blah. blah. And he was like, I'm 220 now. And it's all lean. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, you know, it, it's a different Arnold. It's an older Arnold. And just, and just to be clear, I'm comparing 70s Arnold to 40s 40 year old Arnold 70 year old Arnold is still way more jacked than any of us oh yes I was just curious because I mean you get older and I mean it's it's, it's inevitable yeah yeah uh or yeah. don't I know definitely definitely check out uh Fubar well hey speaking of Arnold uh have y'all watched the Expendables 4 trailer yet <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sadly, Arnold isn't in the upcoming installment, but they have added a bunch of terrible performers to fill his place. One of which naturally is Megan Fox, because when you sit down and think of tough, hardened mercenary types, Megan Fox comes to mind almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, hey, that, that sounds like one of my drunk theories come to life, doesn't it? Like, Drunk theories gone haywire. Hmm. Megan Fox, hardened mercenary. Well, I, I the think is, I wake up in the morning I'm like that's a terrible idea. Hollywood's like, yes. I think what they're doing yes. is more like a money ball pitch. We can't make up for Arnold, but we have to make up for him in the aggregate. So, how many people can we put <laughs> well, together this... to 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 make up for Arnold? The trailer is terrible. It's it's basically Jason Statham climbing all over a bunch of tanks, just punching dudes in the face. He's the you only got, one that can still can. You got Fifty Cent in there. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren's like sitting on a log, just doing nothing. Did you see his hair? Did you see Dolph Lundgren's hair? He's got this. He's got these like flowing locks tied in knots. Uh, but you know what? Getting back, getting back to the Megan Fox thing. I'm watching it, and I'm like, all right. This is an idea so bad, it couldn't possibly happen more than once, could it? Megan Fox couldn't possibly play a tough, hardened mercenary in another film. Could she, Doctor? Yes, she could. I, uh, 2020, uh, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. There's a movie called Rogue. And in oh, the movie, I almost watched that. I didn't realize that was Megan Fox is described as a battle-hardened mercenary. And 
It's not part of the U.S. Army. It's literally like Dutch's team in Predator. It's an international group. She's Shadow like, Shadow Ops. She's got like an Asian guy, a South African guy. They're a team of of black ops mercenaries who go to Africa to try and rescue. Uh, a British teenage girl who's some politician's rich politician's daughter who's been uh, kidnapped in a human trafficking scheme. So they go to Africa, get in a firefight trying to rescue her, uh, run out of ammo. And as they're looking to escape and their, their initial helicopter gets shoot down, all this happens in the first five minutes. Then they happen upon a place where some poachers had been and the lions that the poachers had been keeping escaped and killed them. So while they're trying to escape from these African uh, terrorists who are involved in human trafficking, they now have to deal with uh, some CGI bloodthirsty lions that have escaped from their cages. Yes, yes. So as I joked with Kate about this, we know Megan Fox is a hardcore mercenary because Tut Yaks. She wears a Yankees cap. She's got a Yankees ball cap on. She's stunning. She's a beautiful woman. Tracks. She just walked off the runway in a camouflage t-shirt, but she's got a Yankees cap on. Does, does she turn it backwards when she's about to blow somebody away? No, she's just a straight up Yankee cap. Uh just incredibly gorgeous. I, it's obviously, but uh, yeah, she's a you know, what's your twenty? Uh, <laughs> no, see, I can't. That's my pet peeve in action movies. I mean, sit rep. Yeah, I. I, she, I she, she definitely asked for a sit rep at some point, uh, <laughs> dude. Actually, and I gotta say this, it, it reminds me of a Family Guy scene when when uh, they do the cutaway and Brian's all. This is like a Boston Junior College book report. And the kid's up there, and he's a, all of a twist. I got to tell you, not bad. So, bro, I'm going to tell you guys, not bad. It was no, pretty, I can't do it. It was actually really, it. really entertaining, man. It was funny. It was it was good, good action sequences. The CGI lions are bad sci-fi channel CGI. It, it was basically... If this movie had aired on the Sci-Fi Channel on a Saturday night in 2007, Cade and I would have been talking about it all week up to the Saturday night premiere. Uh, we- let, let, let me ask you this, Doctor, because I I hold Predator in there as one of the the almost perfect films, mm-hmm. and so. I, as I've watched it over the years, the one thing that that jumps out at me, which keeps it from being a, a perfect film, one of the few things, is Arnold is so fucking ripped in that movie. And not just ripped. A lot of guys are ripped. He's a seven-time Mr. Olympia ripped. He just walked off the bodybuilding stage. And I always... Now when I watch it, I always think like the first time that he like encounters or actually he's he's wearing a shirt through the, the first half. But like when he first strips down to that little vest and that Anna chick, like there should have been a moment where she was like, what the f- what? Like normal human beings never see somebody built like that. 
27 inch biceps. I mean, he, he looks like a, a He-Man figure and it's like, <laughs> and it's like no one reacts to how crazy muscular he is. Does anyone in rogue comment on like, you sure don't look like a hardened shadow ops mercenary. Like, do they make any kind of cracks on just how she's so gorgeous? No, they play it straight. In fact, all the hardcore mercenaries, there's like a like her one of her pals is this hardcore South African dude. They all call her boss. What's next, boss? No, so she's the lead. No, she's the leader. I can't. No. Yeah, she's she's the lead of this mercenary team. They're following her lead. It's all what next, boss? No. What do you do, boss? Just give me your sit rep. Well, they, do they ever get her sit rep? I gotta know. Uh, I, I believe that the there well uh, of course at one point you know because they're trying to call for evac and she's talking about they need to get evac it's we we've got to get comms up because we've got to all get, right get, boss I'm on your six yeah <laughs> by the way evac is evacuation they, they I'm just so you understand the movie better doctor and comms is they got to get their communications yes, I, I stood it I understood that yes I, okay. Well, hey, we got to be careful what we're saying here. Just, I don't want, uh, I don't know if you know this, Megan Fox is engaged to Machine Gun Kelly. And that dude has not only robbed banks, he's kidnapped people. He's no, a really bad, uh, no. tough, this dude is a tough motherfucker. I don't want him on no, my bed. No, that, that dude was done early, early 20th century. Okay, dude, Tut's, Tut's going to hate this. Tut's going to hate this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. As far as, as far as acting chops go, is Megan Fox right for the part of a hardened mercenary? Of course not. She's good in the movie, man. She's really good. Like as no, far as no. delivery. As far as her job as an actress, her delivery and, and doing what the part asked her to do, she doesn't look at it all because she's fucking beautiful. And, and she never, at, at no point does she look, even after she's been out in the African bush for 24 hours that she still not look beautiful, but she's, she's good at it, man. It's a, it's a fucking entertaining movie. I recommend rogue. I don't, I don't know how that's going to translate to it's, there. There's two things. One is kind of like a, a criticism I heard about Hemsworth in extraction, no matter how much blood, dirt and mud and shit you wipe on the dude, it's still Chris Hemsworth and he still looks good no matter what. Same thing with Megan Fox. Same thing with this movie called Mother, where J-Lo plays this hard-nosed mother who's doing everything to protect her child. And I'm just like, dude, you're a pampered diva that's like well-documented over over like three decades of this stuff. You can't cast her in this hard-nosed part and expect me to believe it. I Now, I will, I will prejudge Rogue. But it depends on one: can she hold a gun? Two: does she look like she's fired a gun before? But I just can't think of any universe where she is the hard-nosed mercenary, where other hard-nosed mercenaries are looking at her, going, "I got your sit rep, boss." Now I can't see them saying, "I'm on your six, but not the sit rep. Oh, I'm, I, I'm going to go get with on, this. I get on her six I'm and gonna, her nine. Re- rebuttal, rebuttal, Tut is that. I go with she just doesn't look the part. 
but she plays it. She does everything the right way. At, at no point is she like sitting there fumbling around, pointing the gun backwards, like, yeah. oh, I don't know what to do. That, no, she 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 plays it the right way. She just doesn't look at it all. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's, it's K- like K- 110 pounds of Megan Fox and she's supposed to... Uh... To Kate's how, point, after 24 hours in the jungle, how are Arnold's biceps still pumped and veiny? Because he had dumbbells over there and he was just doing reps in between each take. I don't know. I was actually completely enamored with Jesse the body's biceps. Uh, I hardly looked at Arnold's. Doctor, how was her trigger discipline? I would say she had good trigger discipline, but eventually they run out of ammo and she's got to start using her noggin and she's got oh. spades. Oh, no, no. I'm, not, I'm, even, I'm even out of that. No, no. Oh, see, now now Machine Gun Kelly's going to break out of Alcatraz and come for Tut. You don't want this. You don't want this guy on your ass, Tut. Watch what you're saying. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, get on my six. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I recommend watching Rogue. I do not think that this is going to prepare anyone for the absolute shit rain that Expendables 4 looked like. But Rogue, okay. taken on its own, was an entertaining movie. Okay. Yeah, E4 looks. Well, hey, speaking of speaking of which, speaking of which, speaking of celebrities who are such celebrities that you have a hard time buying them on screen, because like you mentioned with J-Lo, Tut, you know so much about their personal lives that it's hard for you to buy them on screen because you know about their their fitness regime and where they buy their coffee. And it's hard to transition that thought process into them being a believable character on screen. I watched, speaking of Expendables alumni, a new action flick that was released this year called Paradise City. Uh, it, it's on Hulu. And I'll say this, Bruce Willis gets a pass. He's in this film. It's marketed as his last feature film role before he retired. I'm going to give him a pass considering what we now know about his mental health over the last few years. But there are a lot of former A-list box office actors who sleepwalk through these video-on-demand movies. And I'm happy to report that Willis's Paradise City co-star John Travolta is not one of them. Travolta genuinely appears to give a shit every time he accepts a role, no matter how big the budget. And I love him for it. Think about this. Whereas the De Niro's and the Steven Seagal's of the world take job after job. And it, it, it comes across like they're just doing this to make their alimony payments. They're just showing up to work to, to make, bring home a check. Travolta finds a way to still take risks Look at the three films that we did with him in it here on the show. The Fanatic, where he was that mullet-wearing Comic-Con weirdo that was yeah. obsessed with the horror movie star. Gotti, where he became John Gotti. And In a Valley of Violence, the Western with him in it. Yeah, yeah, no. Even, even in the safer roles like Paradise City, he plays a gangster, he always manages to find the fun in the roles, and he has a unique way of making that fun infectious to the audience. Good on you, John Travolta. This dude is what a marquee fucking legend, Hollywood legend. It's how you should approach your career. He does not half-ass anything. I recommend Paradise City. It's sad to watch Bruce Willis's last uh, screen credit 
knowing what we know now. But Travolta comes to play. And I'll say this, while it's advertised as being Bruce Willis's last screen role, if you have a hard time watching the 20 something films he did over the last two or three years, uh, which we did one on the show, I think last year, the space one. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of it now. It was breach, right? Breach. Breach. I will say this. I recently watched the 2018 death wish remake with Willis uh, as Paul Carsey. And I'm going to consider that, 2018's Death Wish as Bruce Willis's final theatrical appearance. He, he comes across in that film completely invested in the flick, in his character. Old Bruno showed up to play in that movie, and I was amazed, especially because it's an Eli Roth movie, who I normally hate his flicks. Willis came with everything he had in that movie, and I'm gonna, Eli I'm Roth gonna remember. What's that? Yeah, Eli Roth directed that. Oh wow! I had no idea. I, cause I, I wrote a review of that. You wrote a. I was on about Tuesday, to say. Wait, wait you wrote the review. Uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday night Cigar Club website. Uh, the doctor reviewed a film where he was completely unaware of the director of the film. <laughs> I wonder how that hey, happened. Hardened, hardened film reviewer John Mincy. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> don't matter. Who directed it. All hey. You called me earlier that morning. Get your NYU baseball cap on, Nancy. That way we know you're a movie reviewer. Doctor, you called me that morning asking for my sit rep, and I didn't answer, and I think that's what happened wrong. I'm going to give you a pass. Uh, But, dude, that – Bombs were down. That is the last film that I saw Willis in where I'm like, there's my Willis. There he goes. Uh, I was surprised. I love, to, I, I love to hear. I, I'm sorry. I love to hear that about Travolta, though. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that I might not enjoy uh, some of his films, but I always enjoy him in them. And I love the fact that they're not all derivative of Vincent Vega. Uh, he brings something it, new no, each and every time. He actually and, never. You know, he actually Tut never went back to that well. Yeah, never did a riff on Vega after Vega. There isn't, there isn't like it's not like Willis being Willis or De Niro being De Niro. You never say Travolta was just being Travolta. He always brings something. He tries, he tries new things, and and I'll be honest, it is a little jarring. This was the first Travolta movie a few years ago. He ditched the toupee. And this is the first movie I've ever seen him in with a, a bald head. Yeah. And that, honestly, it should be. You, you're used to seeing a movie star a certain way. And that was jarring for maybe 30 seconds. Because the minute he smiled and and brought on his unique kind of charm... And a little bit of a, it wasn't an accent, but he just tried to bring, uh, I'm going to do this character. What haven't I done before? Let me have fun with this. And he fucking nailed it, man. And he is able to get me to forget. Unlike J-Lo, unlike Megan Fox, Travolta is able to make me forget I'm watching John Travolta for 90 minutes. And that's hard. That's hard. To be fair, Travolta doesn't look like J-Lo or Megan Fox. By the way, I just looked up my review and I do mention Eli Roth as the director. <laughs> I, it's in one of the last paragraphs, but I do I was cognizant of that fact. 
Hey, I was starting to think it was one of my drunk theories that Eli Roth directed Death Wish. I'm like, maybe I just made that. <laughs> maybe I just made that up. Uh, well, hey, speaking of Travolta's Western from a few years ago, and speaking of old action stars, Tut, you recently checked out a new Western called, ironically, The Old Way, uh, starring another box office action hero from decades past, Nicolas Cage. That's right. Did you like I it? I did. I liked it very much. That's very, not a, very much. It's not a bad Nick Cage you just did. <laughs> Uh, it was it was fun. It wasn't Nick Cage being Nick Cage. He wasn't all crazy Nick Cage doing crazy things in the Old West. Uh, it was a very refined Nick Cage. It was a very <laughs> what refined you, character. Dude, like, what do they get? The horse is riding him. Like, <laughs> like, how much crazy shit can you do in the Old West? I don't know, but Nick Cage can find a way for it to be crazy in the Old West. Really uh, it was a straight. It was a. Saddle. It was a straight up western. Uh, the thing I liked about it is that uh, they explored a little bit, very surface level of a of an interesting psychology of like what uh, somebody who doesn't really feel the emotions like other normal human beings feels like and how they cope with that. And it was it was just a there was some really cool father daughter stuff in this movie where he's trying to relate to her, but also to get her to relate to the world around them while you're doing it. It's a, it's a very stereotypical uh, revenge story. Uh, but yeah, it's fun and it works. Uh, the, the bad guys are fun. Uh, I, I just thought, of course, it's a, it's a Western, so it's beautiful and there's a lot of shoot 'em ups uh, I just really appreciate it because Nick Cage is a, He's a very hard. I'm very hot or cold with him. I either really love his yeah, stuff, or unlike Travolta, I really hate his stuff. Unlike Travolta, Cage can let his his quirkiness. While I love and embrace something like Mandy, which we did on the previous episode, uh, I and we also did that Willie uh, Wizard. Uh-huh. Where he fights the the pizza parlor the animatronics animatronic monsters, um, which I thought he was very stoic and kind of controlled in that too. And I actually liked him in that movie. the The movie missed, but him in that movie. No, he actually not. played it right. He actually made the right moves for that character. Uh, did anybody see that that movie where he played himself with the the guy that plays Boba Fett? Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I loved it. Uh, I thought that was, was very, I thought it was very tongue in cheek. Uh, I I thought it was very long, but I loved his relation, him and Pascal playing off of each other. The Mandalorian, I thought it was great. Uh, Nick Cage being Nick Cage being the being this self-aware i mean it's it literally is nick cage playing nick cage and it, i just thought it was fun the way that they went through it he poked fun at himself but at the same time you know there was some really kind of weird but relationship things going on i, I liked it i thought it was a good good flick just a well, little there, long though there are rumors of a new face-off film uh a sequel with Travolta and Cage reprising their characters. Face Off was one of the most unique, groundbreaking action films 
to to date, uh, probably my second favorite John Woo film. Uh, it was so what Travolta and Cage did, uh, becoming each other because of what Travolta is bringing to the table at this stage in his career. And because what we know Cage can do under the right circumstances, I'll be first in line to see if they do a face off sequel, I will be first in line to see that thing. I will uh, wait till after you see it. Okay. Okay. Wait. That's a lot of films that we've uh, seen over the last few weeks. A lot of books that we've all read, not just the Doctor and Yakboy. We've all read books. I just, I just don't want to. Sh- I just don't want to show off and tell you about all the books I've read. Uh, there's too many of them. Honestly, I lose track. I lose track of battle hardened book reader. I'm a hardened battle He's a hard nose. Where's your book? Where's your He's book? A hard nose book reader. I just read, uh, j- since our last show, uh, esteemed author Cormac, uh, McCarthy passed away and I, I've read Blood Meridian 10 times now and, uh, I'm the only one who gets it. Um, one day, maybe over a cigar at the fire pit, I'll explain it to you guys, but, uh, cause the doctor to leave, man. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, well, the doctor's gone, boys. I am finally in the final third of this cigar. Hey, Chief. I'll explain I am just Blood barely getting there. I... I'll explain Blood Meridian to you. Of course, Doctor's read Blood Meridian. He's got the glasses. You don't explain it to me, Chief. I'll explain <laughs> it to you, if you think you can understand it. <laughs> I like Tuts. He's got the glasses. How could I read this book without these glasses? Hey, you know what? I was thinking Cade oh. might actually have read, but God, he's got those fucking glasses on. I'm going with the doctor. He knows what's going on. I, I have read Blood Meridian, and I understood it. Uh, well, doctor, I actually would like to talk to you about Blood Meridian, but we'll, we'll save that for another show. Uh, boys, are you guys in the final third of the cigar? Have any of you switched to our second cigar? No, I'm finishing. I don't think I'm going to get a chance I'm going all to. the way down, man. Going all the way. Oak, earth, Pepper, mild, now mild, medium pepper and mineral. Does that sound? Tut, you still getting those nuts in your mouth? <laughs> no, the the nuts were a one Every time night. fantasy of mine. Uh, I I put them in my mouth one time and then I've never tasted them again. Uh, yeah, the 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 woodsiness is there. The pepper is slowly starting to crank up. I'm a little bit behind you, uh, but yeah. Uh, Basically everything you just said. I mean, I would say woodsiness, but I mean, I'm fairly certain there is a small forest in this cigar. I I think you might be right. Uh, All right. Well, you know what? Unless something shocking happens in this final third, let me know. Do you guys want to talk price point? We've been smoking, Doctor. How long we've been smoking this thing? No, no, that doesn't. That I'm not factoring that into this at all. Okay. Is price contingent upon weight, Doc? Just out of curiosity, how long have we been smoking this? You are right now exactly on two hours. Good lord! And I've got there's still an hour left. Yeah. yeah, and then it will collapse in upon itself and the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, do you boys? And then uh, there's going to be Maximilian from like the the black hole uh, in his little robot form sitting there waiting for you with one of these big ass doggies. Exactly. <laughs> All right, boys. Guess the price point on this monstrous thing you've got in your mouth. 
Uh, I don't even know. I'm going to go even... $14.99. Think how much tobacco it takes to make this goddamn cigar. I'll go a You're right. You're right. $15.99. I'm going to reread Blood Meridian while you guys figure it out. <laughs> you could read Blood Meridian in the time it takes to smoke tonight's cigar. That is true. I'll go eleven ninety nine. I mean, it's cool. Never mind. All right. Uh, let me take a guess. I I'm gonna go bizarre. I'm not gonna go with the ninety nines. That's the the popular choice. I'm gonna go twelve twenty nine. Let me look at my notes here. Uh, price point. Oh shit, twelve twenty nine. I knew there uh, was a nine in there. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, knew I there can, was a nine in there. I can legitimately see it within the eleven to thirteen dollar price range. Anything above that thirteen, and I'm like, you know, go slap yourself with this cigar. If you like a long cigar journey, that isn't a surprising journey. What you get in the first inch, you're going to get, and then the seventh inch, bang bust style. Actually, no, the opposite of the bang bust. The first inch is very different than the last inch on the bang bust. Um, this could be the cigar for you. Um, construction wise, I, I honestly haven't had to relight it. I've, I've left it for five minutes at a time and it's still, it is like smoldering for days. It is like those Canadian wildfires. It just keeps fucking going. Uh, while these, uh, cigars were submitted to us, I'm going to touch it up. These cigars were, uh, I did have to correct the burn line a few times, but I've never had to relight because the the, yeah. the draw went out. Well, these cigars were submitted to us by uh, General Cigar Company for review. You can go right now to famoussmokeshop.com and grab a box, a very heavy box, I should imagine. Shipping alone has got to be in the hundreds for these things. Uh, but that's why you go to Cigar Monster, pick out a five or to free sh- get free shipping. And then you add this bad boy to your uh, cart. The number eight Maduro is on sale now and using promo code TNCC20. As always, you get $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. So head over to Famous Smoke Shop. If this sounds like something you want in your mouth, go to FamousSmokeShop.com. Pick up a box. You've been warned. This you got to have room for these things. If you've got a small desktop humidor, you're screwed. I have a tower. I have multiple humidor. I had trouble storing these things. It's 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 uh they're massive. But uh, you know what? Jokes aside, I honestly thought it would be worse. And ironically, it is my most lo- memorable La Gloria Cubana I've ever smoked. All right, so here's a couple of things with that. One, I don't know exactly what kind of a compliment uh, is to say. I, I honestly thought it would be worse. Um, <laughs> but I actually hold that compliment as well. Uh, I, I I did think it was going to be worse. I've had Gloria Cupana in the past, and I'm sorry. There's there, I don't remember any of them. Coming into the last half of this thing, 
I mean, the flavors are getting more potent. They are sticking around a little bit more. That that wood is kind of sitting there in there. And, you know, at that price point, it's not a bad option. Uh, I've smoked way worse at higher price points. I guess the thing that's confusing me with this thing is, like, who is this marketed to? Like, what is the demographic profile that's like, I want to go into a humidor and pick up that big-ass bastard? I think, to go back a little bit, I think it's the Bud Light smoker. I think it's the guy who wants the most for his bang for his buck. And if he can if he can drop 12 bucks for three hours. Something that's four hours. It's going to last him for three, four hours. Boom. This is this is really your only option. That's true. And like I said, once you get into that second half, it's not it's not bad. I mean Okay. Oh, man, I don't know. We do have a, a second cigar. Uh whenever the first one of us uh decides to go for it, I will introduce it. But I would first like to introduce our film tonight. We still do do we still do do. We still Seems like do. we've been doing this show forever. We're just now getting into the we film. Do do a do film do. We still do do a film. And tonight's film, as I mentioned, is a film from earlier this year, Cocaine Bear. Uh before we dig our claws into Ooh. Cocaine Bear. Uh, have you all seen the clips of the, uh, speaking of me scrolling through the news, the serial bear harasser who's been posting videos of himself? This guy goes around Yellowstone Park. He sees a bear while his buddy films him, tears off his T-shirt and runs out to the bear and growls at him and makes fists at him. And, Please and- tell me the bear mauls the fuck out of this dude. He's posted three videos. The last video, the bear actually charges him. Three different bears, three different episodes. The last one, the bear actually said, fuck this dude, and starts charging at him. And the guy's like, oh, shit. Runs. Get the car running. Runs up and gets in the car, and they drive off. Fuck that. Uh, I want the bear to win. I think everybody watching these wants the bear to win. Uh, You want Darwinism to kick in at some point and eliminate some of these uh you know so tired of humans brain dead planks from the earth agreed tut uh what a jackass uh yaks though before we move on i believe back in high school speaking of days confused our senior year you were voted most likely to become a serial bear harasser am i right in that that's in the yearbook that's true at all i voted you that was i the only one doctor did you vote for so no, I don't remember that. I, I thought I thought one of you was voted most likely to be eaten by a bear. That no, that was me. Yeah, okay. I was about to say that's not going to be X. Yeah, that was me. Uh, okay. Well, tonight's film uh, was written by a guy, a very talented guy, uh, apparently Jimmy Warden, and it was directed by actress Elizabeth Banks, who, for my money, is just as hot as Megan Fox. Am I right? But is she is she battle hardened? No, and I don't think she. I, I don't think she will be in an Expendables click at any point. But her work in this film, she should be directing an Expendables flick with some of the. She actors. could if yes. she's hot. Which one? I'm trying to remember. The hot chick is at the park ranger. 
No, she's not in this film at all. She directed. Uh, she's been in films such as uh, Wet Hot American Summer, uh, Wet Hot American Summer Two. Uh, she's been in a lot of like romantic comedies. She before this, she directed the latest Charlie's Angels movie with the chick from the Twilight movies. Yeah. I, I didn't see that, and she also directed the musical comedy Pitch Perfect Two. Again, I didn't see that. Uh, as an actress, though, she starred in a lot of comedies, which makes her a great fit to direct Cocaine Bear, because while it certainly is by definition a creature feature, it merely uses that genre outline to deliver a hilarious, over-the-top, ridiculous comedy that honestly caught me off guard by just how goddamn funny this movie is. I, haven't is. Laughed, I have not laughed this hard at a, a, a mainstream Hollywood theatrical release comedy in probably 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. And I agree with you on that because there were just parts where I'm like, I had to rewind because I was like, wait a second. What the fuck just happened? Tut, Tut texted me. He was laughing so hard out on his deck. His wife came out to check on him to make sure he was okay. <laughs> that was true. That was true. I, was, I went into this with such low expectations. I thought that all the funny parts were going to be visible in the trailer. Like much, much happens. And there was so much gold left in the actual movie. It's and, hard. It's hard to live up to the name Cocaine Bear, and it's hard to live up to and that. the premise and that the, the trailer and the premise alone. Uh, I felt like this film far exceeded it. But before we share opinions, let's dive right into it and do a a quick dive as we do these days. Normally, we would dig into the minutia of every single scene, every single little. Uh, I did. I did not think that I was going to go through these beers as fast as I did. So I need to actually go in and re up. Oh, so, uh, yeah, right, get your get, get your ass feel in there. Free, feel free to converse among yourself as I go get more of my delicious Bear King beer. Okay, get some more. I'll keep going. Um, well, we begin in 1985. Like 19. My- 85. Like my first beer selection tonight. As a small plane flies over Georgia's Chattahoochee National Forest, as it drops multiple red duffel bags full of cocaine out the side. As the coked up drug smuggler in charge of this operation straps on his parachute, does a little coke, and attempts to jump out and join his illicit cargo in freefall. He slams his head against the plane door and falls out TNCC style and falls out of the aircraft completely unconscious. And that right there is absolutely I wasn't expecting this. I was like, all right, whatever. And I was like, perfect. Oh my God. This literally sets the entire tone of this fucking film. When he smacks his head and falls out, it's it, it's gold. And Tut, you missed it. Uh, the story takes place in 1985, like my first oh my first beer selection uh, that I chose uh, for. Tonight. I don't think Plus that Blood, Blood Meridian 1985 was the year it was published. I knew but that. I don't. I, I don't that. think they had IPAs in '85. Uh, in fact, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. What? The India Pale Ale was developed in early 1984, correct? Yes. Actually, it was developed in like 1894. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> we'll later learn that the drug smuggler 
landed with a giant splat in Knoxville, Tennessee, still holding on to the 70 pounds of cocaine in the duffel bag that he had strapped to him. Meanwhile, two European tourists, Elsa and Olaf, are the first unlucky hikers to encounter the now coked up black bear. We get right to it. That bear, the cocaine landed in the forest and the bear's already dug his nose. He's looking at us. Why is he looking at us like that? They spot it. And it's the Game of Thrones redhead dude, man. (laughs) Oh, is that dude from Game of Thrones? He's from Game of Thrones. He's one of the great characters. He's one of the great wildlings. Oh, okay. I gave up on that show. It was too complicated. I... I couldn't. <laughs> oh, he he plays a great, great character throughout Game of Thrones. And I, I would love to see him in this. He's nothing like his Game of Thrones characters in it, which makes it even better. Okay. Well, they spot the black bear slamming its head repeatedly against a tree. You know, it's still getting yeah. used. Still getting used to the buzz of coke. Uh, right before it starts humping the tree, it's a very horny black bear. Hence my choice of uh, cigars this evening. And when it sees the two uh, hikers, they make the big mistake of running away from it. And Elsa pays for that mistake big time as she's ripped from limb to limb. Apparently, black fight back when it comes to bears. Brown lay down. This is a black bear. You're not supposed to run. You're supposed to take it on head first. And they do not do that. I think that's kind of wrong. I don't, I'm not sure that that's what you're supposed to do. No, no, I mean, don't, obviously, don't hold the Tuesday Night Cigar Club accountable if you encounter a bear and do the wrong thing. We're we're just telling you what the story said. Absolutely, because first of all, regardless of what the rest of the world says in our own government, don't go traipsing into the woods without a fucking gun. Because nature oh will eat your ass. Oh God! See, I just forgot that we'd already done some bear movies and Yak Yak Boy's uh, motto of like these people should have guns. These are hippie hikers on their planning. They can eat their granola in hell. I will be in heaven because my gun will save me. A week earlier, they were buying beets in Austin with Robert Plant, for God's sake. They were at Whole Foods, just minding their own business. Those beets aren't going to save your life. Those beets aren't battle-hardened. And then, very quickly, we're introduced to a bunch of characters in quick order. Uh, there's the veteran police office, police detective, Bob Springs, who's assigned to the case, played phenomenally by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. He's just as concerned about his newly adopted fancy dog, Rosette, as he is about finding the missing Coke. I will say this. I have tried repeatedly for the last two weeks to reach out to get Isaiah Whitlock Jr. on the show tonight. I sent him messages on Instagram, on Twitter. He's he's active on Facebook. I really wanted to pick this guy's brain because I think he's the star of the show. Um, and I did not receive a response, but we're going to learn a lot more about Detective Bob Springs here very shortly. That's There's a also shame a- because I do want to say that you are correct. He is the star of the show, and man, that would have been. I hope this guy gets the credit that he's due because he deserves it. Well, I think we were the ones to give it to him. And uh, it's a, it's one of those missed opportunities, damn it. Uh, there's also the late Ray Liotta as a drug king. I think he actually died since our last episode, Ray Liotta. 
we lost Ray Liotta and we lost Treat Williams uh, since our last show. Uh, two really stand up. What a career those two dudes had. Um, but Ray Liotta stars as drug king, a drug kingpin named Sid, who's responsible to the Colombian cartels for all the missing cocaine from the plane crash. His un- his underling, David, is played by the extremely likable O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Ice Cube's son. Or as oh, I, call him, hey, I call him Sonic Ice, because he's Little Ice. He's Little Ice Cube. Sonic that's, that's Ice. That's great. Yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. Is Ice Cube going to come after me now? I got Machine Gun Kelly and Ice Cube coming after us? Yeah, what's he going to awesome. do? Take it off his- Take off his cardigan and whip your ass. Oh, you're saying Ice Cube sold out? All right, that's that's the opinions of Tut are not reflective of the opinions of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Pop, 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 pop. Worried about the wrong thing because you know who's been looking for you for two solid years? Yeah. Dean Cameron, and he's got an axe to grind. Hey, I'll take on Cameron. Tut can have Ice Cube and Machine Gun Kelly, for God's sake. Uh... Sid's, uh, so he's got David working for him, and then Sid's inconsolable deadbeat son, Eddie, who recently quit working in the drug trade with his pops, and he also just suffered the loss of his girlfriend from cancer. He's played by uh, an actor named Alden Ehrenreich, who I had never seen before, and then uh Tut or one of you guys texted me and like, oh shit, that's young Han Solo. Yeah, he played. He was in the Solo movie. I never saw that, but after watching Cocaine Bear, I caught young Han Solo on FX one night, and I actually watched the thirty first thirty minutes, and I thought the movie and him were pretty good. Yeah, it's not yeah, bad. I, I think it's very underrated movie. Doctor, you might have reviewed that for the website as well. Uh, I think I did. Yeah. And it's worth sticking around for because that Donald Glover, who does just an awesome young Lando Calrissian. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, re- I really liked uh, this Alden character or actor in tonight's film. We'll get to him later. Uh, when we meet Eddie, his character, he's drowning his sorrows from uh, disenfranchising himself from his criminal father and losing his <laughs> his girlfriend at a pub. While doing shots and stuffing his face oh. with some penny pasta. I'm about, to, I'm about to pee myself just remembering this. It's just pasta. David, Sid's right-hand man, shows up to enlist Eddie, his help once again in tracking down the red duffel bags scattered all over the forest. But his, you know, Eddie's a total fucking mess. There is a great scene that Tut just alluded to where he's like, is that got like grilled chicken or whatever? And he's crying. He's like, just the pasta. I thought he just goes, nah, it's just plain. <laughs> just plain. Yeah. <laughs> he said he says it's so pain. He's like, ah, it's just it's just plain. <laughs> no grilled chicken for Eddie or Davina. I just I, like I the learn. interaction that like it's a human conversation. Like, does does it have the chick? No. <laughs> and what, well, I, hey. what I loved about it is that. Star Wars, you know, fanboys that just shit all over Han Solo. You know, part of their criticism was is that this guy doesn't capture the gravitas of Harrison Ford, and you know, his his acting is wooden and it's stiff. And I'm like, 
look, you're not going to be satisfied with anybody that's playing Harrison Ford because it's not Harrison Ford. The kid did what he was told. He did fine in it. If you say that his acting is wooden and stiffened, don't you dare laugh at Cocaine Bear now. Don't be like, oh, this guy is great. If you're like, this guy was a moron a couple of movies ago. Fuck you. Well, first of all, I'm not sure how much gravitas Harrison Ford has ever brought to anything. He's hey, Harrison- he brought he brought some gravitas to the Witness. He had some gravitas in Witness. That's about it. Maybe Mosquito Coast. But more than often, he's just playing Harrison Ford. He, but, yeah, that's enough. He's Harrison Ford. He wasn't quite where he was in when he did Mosquito Coast. We can't, we can't go there yet. <laughs> well, hey, much like Days and Confused and another great flick, which I mentioned that starred director Elizabeth, Wet Hot American Summer, this movie is cast perfectly. So bravo to Dylan Jury and Deborah Zane, the casting directors, for knocking this shit out of the park. I think the only other film I've ever given the casting yeah. director, I think the only other film in the history of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, eight years now, that we've ever, I've ever pointed out the casting directors was the uh, Everybody everybody Wants Some, the Richard Linklater college flick about the baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you recognize that everybody on screen is cast perfectly, you got to shout out to the people that brought him there. So good on, good on those folks. Uh, speaking of which, Harry Russell of TV's Felicity, among other things, plays a small-town Georgia nurse named Sari, who is busy at work while her young 13-year-old daughter, Dee Dee, and her best friend, Henry, ditch middle school to head off into the Chattahoochee National Forest to paint some rocks. Oh, shit, Yax. That's where the cocaine bear is, isn't it? It is indeed. But they're headed towards the Secret Falls. Yax, you want to go there and harass that bear, don't you? Just like we knew you would in high school. Say it. Admit it. You want to harass that bear. I'm not a bear harasser. Tell the truth. Look, if the bear wants to cause trouble with me, I'm not going to back down. All right. Doctor, you voted for it, too. You're not admitting to it, but I know you did. I never voted for you to be a bear harasser. Well, hey, guess what? Even these kid actors aren't completely annoying. They actually cast two kids that aren't unbearable unbearable on screen. Oh, I knew that was coming. I was impressed. If you didn't, if, if you didn't I would. Dut, find your find your soulless. I, I was impressed by everyone. And I was even more impressed when the two kids in the woods discover one of the duffel bags with cocaine and they both put a heaping mound of it in their mouths before spinning. I was like, uh, this, is a, this is a Hollywood movie. They're not going to let these kids put cocaine in there. Granted, they spit it out, but they're covered in cocaine and they ingest yeah, but, I, but What I love more than anything else is it, it's the classic, I get a knife and cut into the cocaine bag. Yeah. No, they've watched Miami Vice. They know it's like, it's like yeah, I was like, nose. that's Crockett and Tubbs, man. They stick the knife in it and do their like, thing. The only thing I would have loved, if, if they had loved better, if the little kid had been like, yeah, I saw this before. Gotta taste it. <laughs> Dude, full Scarface though. <laughs> well, hey, that moment when those kids take the cocaine is when I knew that this movie wasn't going to pull back from its full potential. It really 
All right, we're going to go full bananas. Awesome. Over at the Chattahoochee National Forest Visitor Center, we meet Park Ranger Liz, played by the scene-chewing Margot Martindale, (laughs) who also starred in the brilliant Netflix original series from this year, The Watcher, which that is what I binge-watched seven hours of in one night. It's by Ryan Murphy, the guy that did American Horror Story, Scream Queens. Um, couldn't stop watching it, man. And she plays this neighbor of these this this uppity yuppie couple that moves into this fancy house in the Hamptons. She is so good in that. But I had seen Cocaine Bear, so the minute I saw her, I was like, "Oh, she's going to be really good in this." And she was, man, totally different character. But I love when someone you know has been acting for 30, 40 years before you get ever notice them and they get a shot to be on the, on a big stage. And it's like, she's so good. She's Dude, so I'm going to have to watch the watcher because she was also, <clears throat> she played like one of the, uh, in one season of the show justified that I was a big fan of with Timothy Oliphant, Walton mm-hmm. Goggins. She was the main villain, I think, with like season two, uh, and she so playing like a uh, like Kentucky hillbilly matriarch. Oh, really? In that context, yeah, she was fantastic. Oh, I want to see that now. Okay, and I love Tim Timothy Olyphant. You've told me to watch that series. They're coming back with a new a new season of Justified. We'll see how that goes, man. The first like four seasons, I think they did six seasons of it. It was still pretty good, but like the first four seasons of that were awesome, and she was like the main bad guy in one of the seasons, and and was just fantastic. Okay, well, Ranger Liz is soaked in expensive European perfume, nervously chain smoking as she awaits the arrival of her man crush Ooh. Peter, played by uh, Modern Family's Jesse Tyler Ferguson. He's the hippie environmental protection representative who's due for an inspection of the park. He he shows up and he says, hmm, you got a dusty beaver there, Ranger, as he examines a stuffed beaver on the counter. Yeah, well, I'm working on that. Well, oh, make dude, it'll straight up, oh, it'll straight up, uh, top, make, uh, not top make good, but nine and a half, yeah. Filmmakers, you will always win me over with a good beaver joke. Always. Well done. They're easy to do. They're easy to do, but nobody ever does them. Not only that, but going back to your casting director, kudos. Just the juxtaposition of those two. I felt the naked gun vibes, and it just gave me it. I'll just say it. It gave me the warm and fuzzies. But, dude, to to, me too, but to, to Tut's point, she's so nervous about this guy coming in who she's in love with, who visits a few times a year. I was expecting this Tom Selleck manly ranger with a mustache to come in, his little shorts and his little Smokey the Bear hat. And it's this kind of flamboyantly goofy uh, gay guy played by the gay guy from Modern Family. I loved it. I thought it was the perfect turn shit over on its head and not what you would expect. And that guy was really good. He, Oh, yeah. He came to play and he chewed up the scenes just as much as she did. So the uh, the mom, sorry, uh, enlists the help of Ranger Liz and Peter to find the missing kiddos on Blood Mountain. And Liz warns them 
that they also have to beware of a gang of pubes. What? Pubescent gang. They call themselves the Dew Champs that have been attacking hikers along the trails. And speaking of these young punks, David and Eddie stop at the now empty visitor center, now that they've gone off to find the kids, to take a piss, and the Dew Champs attack David in the restroom. How the hell are you going to attack Ice Cube's big-ass son with a pocket knife? Well, they they do. It is a well-choreographed fight. Yeah. Brutal. It's almost like the bathroom fight in True Lies. Smashing heads on urinals. Uh, That's what it reminded me of. It, it reminded me of that, too. It was, it was so well done. Uh, these three young thugs get taken out by David. Uh, he grabs one of their skateboards and just bashes them over the head with it. Which, by the way, uh, Yak Boy brings me to my third beer selection, the Kickflip Hazy IPA from Barrow Brewing Company. See a little guy on a skateboard? Uh, I I couldn't help myself. It, it, it just fit. Uh, good old Kickflip IPA from our friends at Barrow Brewing. They are They're from wonderful Salado, Texas. Uh, 5.6%, 40 IBUs, nice and smooth. It is uh, my my go-to uh, summertime beer from Barrow Brewing Company. They're right down the road from me. Uh, well, I normally love their Mystery of the Deep double IPA. Um, this kickflip has, uh, if I if I don't feel like the double, I don't feel like that much, or if I just have to go slow. Um, this kickflip IPA is awesome. And again, it features a little crazy looking guy on a skateboard, which Ice Cube's son uses to demolish the do champs in the bathroom. Uh, but not before though, at the end, he's like, they're all laying there unconscious. And he's like, fuck, they messed up his jersey. He's got his Jordans on. It's 1985. He's like, what the? Dude, they did get the pocket like a knife stuck in his back. It's a knife stuck in his shoulder, but he's a big dude, you know? Um, uh, Eddie finds Eddie enters the bathroom after. Uh, By the way, kudos to kudos to Cube's son. Uh, he's so damn. I, I, I so damn likable. Him. I enjoyed him and straight out of Compton uh, in the Ice Cube role. Uh, I and I, I mean, there's. A, I hate to say it's kind of a gimmick thing, but I mean, to me, that's doing a disservice to the actor now. Because watching him in this, which is not the same role, I mean, he's go, he's he's getting into different territory as an actor. And I I just enjoyed it. Like you said, he's he's very likable. I didn't and I didn't see straight watch. I didn't see straight out Compton, but I I sure had a, a I sure liked him on screen in this. I thought I thought he balanced uh, likability with uh, the criminal persona. I I thought he was great. Yeah. Uh, well, Eddie in the bathroom. Eddie comes in, uh, defi- and he finds a kilo of coke on the Do Champs leader, nicknamed Stash, which is weird because he doesn't have a mustache. And the kid reveals finally, under some violent pressure, that they hid the rest of the duffel bag full of coke at a gazebo in the forest. He's a gaze- named Stash because he stashed the coke. No, but he said his name is Stash. Like he's going to develop a nickname that quick. He just did that. That's like it's just Spider Man. Hey Friday. guys, it's got layers. 
Hey guys, call me Kickflip Hazy from now on. I just drank no. this. Beer. I just drank this beer. It can't be my nickname. No, I can do it. Anywho, uh, he says they stashed they stashed the uh, the coke in a gazebo in the forest. A gazebo says David. Yeah, it's a pavilion-like structure. I know what a fucking gazebo is, David Barks. It's fucking airplane vibe, man. And then Eddie Eddie over by the sinks in the bathroom. I didn't know what a gazebo was. <laughs> so they take Stash as a prisoner in search of the gazebo and the missing cocaine. There's a lot of little scenes like that, dialogue-wise, that just... Perfect. Speaking of missing things... Sorry, Ranger Liz and Peter find little Henry, who has climbed up a huge tree. He warns them that a crazy bear attacked him and Dee Dee, and then the monster took her. You know, the monster like in Yakit Boy and I's beer selection tonight? Suddenly, the monster attacks Peter, dragging him into the woods, but the hippie manages to escape as he flops face first into a giant pile of cocaine. Suddenly, imagine this, filled with energy, superhuman energy, Peter climbs up a tree at record speed as the bear takes a chunk out of Ranger Liz's butt cheek. She says, she goes off running. Where are you going? For help. She's not going for help. (laughs) Did you guys think when he snorted all that cocaine, Peter, that they should have sped up that film a little bit to where he like, like just up that tree? No. No, I, I I feel like he should. It would have been like that little pie pie thing where he just like, yes, da, no, da, da. like I can do anything. I was waiting I for it. Yeah, that's thing, what I, I think. What makes this thing so beautiful is how straight they play it, and yeah, don't don't go too well. Too to its credit, to its credit, he did climb it unrealistically fast. <laughs> True. The black bear charges up the tree to get little Henry, but then he smells the cocaine all over Peter's face on the tree next to them. And he jumps down and shoots up that tree to devour Peter to bloody bits. I mean, he's gnaws this dude in half. Yes. Doctor, one might say he had a half life. I believe one would say that, Cade. Much like your beer selection? God, the Pain he must be in from being torn half by a bear. Doctor, do you think he'll make his next regularly scheduled inspection of the forest? I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. Fair enough. enough. But good on you for that half-life beer, my friend. He literally chews this dude now. Uh, The only only criticism that I'll give and the bear scenes, and it's CGI, so whatever. Uh, but even at the very end, is that I wish that for the sound of it, they would have gone to the backcountry sound. Uh, the the we we reviewed the film backcountry. The wet chewing, just really visceral oh, audio. The just horrific sound. Well, so much of the movie, guys, go back and uh, guys and gals, go back and watch our episode on the uh, the killer bear movie Backcountry because a lot of the bear attacks in there, there are reactions to people hearing it outside of a tent or whatnot. So you hear the chewing, the gnawing, and the- just the sheer terror mm. and pain. It was 
Yeah, you don't get the audio side, but you certainly get the visual side. When Peter and his severed limbs fall to the ground, the bear follows them down and starts licking the coke off of Peter's torn-off leg. This bear is addicted to this shit, am I right, Doctor? Uh, He seems to be quite insatiable. (laughs) He loves it. Uh, I hear hear it has that effect. I I, I did some research. It does. It does. the bear then heads over to the visitor center where Ranger Liz has gone back to call an ambulance and reload. And she's also discovered the two remaining Duchamp boys who got their asses kicked by David raiding her office. They're stealing the donation money and the suckers and the candy. These guys, they're just young punks. She accidentally, when they open the door and the bear's out there, she accidentally blows one of their brains out while trying to shoot the bear. Like Tut said, it's CGI. Uh, a lot of the it effects. It was still a fun effect. CGI, though. but not Expendables 3 level offensive CGI blood splatter. I love how gory they went with the blood and the kills in this flick. It, make, it makes sense that with a movie named Cocaine Bear that they should have, but I'm super impressed that they didn't hold back and they went all the way with it. Uh, Dude, the, the look through the hole in the head was just. Yeah, it's CGI fun, but they made it fun, and I, I I had fun with it. I love when Ranger Liz is like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and that the the, the his buddy was like, "You're sorry." <laughs> uh, right after de- uh, right after Detective Bob shows up at the park and heads out on foot because uh, they have a clothes sign on the office where all this shit's going down with. Ranger Liz and the Jew champs. He sees the close sign, so he just takes a slip of a slurp of his, his he just takes a slurp of his big gulp and goes walking in the woods. <laughs> ambulance arrives right as he's out of sight. The Jew champ buds had called an ambulance after getting their asses kicked by David. They have concussions. And even these fucking ambulance drivers were good. Mm-hmm. After discovering the dead punks inside the visitor center. One of their heads they found in a slot bucket, just a severed head. The cocaine bear attacks the the paramedics. As the female paramedic helps the badly wounded ranger Liz out to the ambulance, the male paramedic fights off the bear, and he catches a lucky break when the monster sees his red paramedic bag in the corner, and he runs after that, digging through it like there's got to be some cocaine in there. Uh, Dude, he's, he's on the hunt for more blow. I love that. I love that. That was the thing that they they distracted it with the non cocaine bag because he's just after the blow. Yeah, that's how they used to get Vince Neil to come on stage. <laughs> that's how they still do. <laughs> they no, put a, I'm, they put a red duffel. They put a I red. Love, I love the, I love the scene with the paramedics because the bear breaks down the door. And it crashes on top of the paramedic and is completely reminiscent of Great, great outdoors. outdoors. Yeah, Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors. Only the thing <laughs> is there is the, the door is crushing 300-pound John Candy, and this is a 500-pound bear crushing 175-pound string bean paramedic. Well, but yes, I didn't say it was – I just said it was reminiscent. I didn't say it was exactly. <laughs> this was not humorous. This was death. Probably should well, volunteer this, but does anybody besides me really want to do some coke right now? <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to 
procure such things. I, just, I, I don't was, know what you're talking about. Let's finish this beer. Continue. Tug could probably ask around campus, but always going to get some fucking mushrooms, probably. They're going to be like up your star. Because they're going to think he's a nart. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if... I, I think cocaine is still a thing, but I, I'm not sure if it's a... Uh, oh, it's still very much a thing. It's not. It's not like made up. I mean, it's it's a real thing. <laughs> well, no, I know it's a. I know it's a thing. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was. Uh, all right. Well, well you. Uh, sorry, sorry. That 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 apparently derailed things. No, no, no. Todd, ask around, see what you can find out. Okay. Don't be a snark. Although, if I'm a 19-year-old college kid on campus and Tut with his gray ponytail comes up to me asking where he can score some blow, I may be a fellow students. (laughs) (laughs) You guys hear the new Spin Doctors album? Red flags. Red flags. I've heard of this thing called nose candy. So well, we're going to show you more footage of that guy getting eaten by the shark off the beach in Egypt. <laughs> here's a Southwest. Here's a Texas State student getting beaten the shit. <laughs> to just beat up with fucking baseball bats. I just, I just want blow. I just want cocaine. <laughs> I toured with Travis Tritt in the nineties. Help me. Did then in the back corner you see me? I'm all. I should have just gone to Whole Foods and hooked up with Robert Plant like I did. <laughs> it's good stuff. Meanwhile, I'm in England at that castle with Jimmy Page getting the good shit. I had to eat a lot of beets to get this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so many beets. Uh, you know, that's that's actually the genesis of the Go-Go song, We Got the Beat. That was written about Shopping in Whole Foods with oh, Roger Plant, beats. buying beats. We got the beats. That, that makes the, sense. The producer, I'll go with it. The producer was like, "You got to lose the S." We got the beat. Hmm. The medic races. The medic races out to grab the back of the fleeing ambulance as Depeche Mode's just can't get enough begins blasting through the ambulance's stereo. Seconds later, the Black Bear's chasing them down the road in, hey, 162 episodes. I'd never miss it. Hot pursuit. But, dude, she's stepping stepping on the gas, and that bear is coming. It ain't stopping. And I'm just cracking up because all I'm hearing is... It's a perfect song. That bear cannot get enough of that fucking cocaine. Tut, did you ever see Depeche Mode in concert? Yes, and we're going to see them in July. Did they play that song? Yes, I did. And I danced my Tut ass off to it. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Okay. Uh, my apologies to those who had to sit there and watch Tut do that during their... I was scoring some coke at that concert, I bet. Hey, if I'm at a Depeche Mode concert and Tut's dancing to Just Can't Get Enough, I'm looking for anything I can get my hands on. Speaking of it, I, I will. I, I'll try to keep it very shortly. Um, so I, 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 I was not a synth pop fan until years of exposure with my wife. We went to ACL. Uh, it was a year they had all the synth pop bands there. So you know, Cure, Depeche Mode, all the big heavy hitters. 
And I'm like, all right, you know, I kind of remember them from the 80s. I didn't really like it. Man, when they came out with Personal Jesus, and it was just boom, 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 boom. Man, it sounded fucking great. And then I became a Depeche Mode. All right, end of story. There's a big difference between feeling the vibe in the crowd at Personal Jesus and just can't get enough. No, it's not. Nah. Everything counts in large It's like sitting in a Cure concert and being like feeling the wave of of the the music washing over you as they're playing the forest, as opposed to like Friday. I'm in love. Like, dude, I like both of those, man. It's like, why can't you like uh, Friday? I'm in love, as opposed to the intro of Pictures of You. I mean, you can, there's room in this great expansive universe for all of it. When, Come on uh, in, boys. The water is fine. Uh, I like your optimism, Tut. I don't share it, but I like it. The bear eventually jumps in the back of the ambulance. This bear is running about 45, 50 miles an hour at this point, sending Rager Liz skidding down the road on her gurney. The ambulance driver did her job and strapped Ranger Liz properly to this gurney. Face first, she flops down on the pavement, and it just takes off her entire face. And it was a good scene. And then the bear devours the male paramedic. Dude, it breaks his arm in half. His wrist is, like, hanging off with a severed bone sticking out. Uh, And just then, the female medic crashes into a tree, sending her flying through the windshield. It is a great action sequence altogether, and like I said earlier, it kind of makes me wish the stupid Expendables 4 would take a risk and hire Elizabeth Banks, who directed this movie, to direct an Expendables movie rather than the guy who directed 2014's Need for Speed. That's who's doing the new Expendables movie. Did you guys see that movie? I did. Wait, what was Need for No, I was thinking of movie speed. No, Need for Speed. It had the guy from Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul. It was based on the video game. Nobody ever saw it. They did the best they could with what they had available. They had millions of dollars. doesn't pay anybody for this stuff. So They had millions of dollars, Yaks, and they didn't do anything. And now they're giving this asswipe another chance. Gotta love it. Uh, well, David, Eddie, and the punk kid stash finally reach the gazebo, you know, the pavilion-like structure, after a long hike through the woods full of emotional bonding between Eddie and stash. But they have a surprise waiting for them. Detective Bob, gun in hand, is on the roof of the gazebo with one of the red duffel bags filled with booger sugar. Okay, folks. I'm talking to you at home. Even if you listen to our show and think you have the full story of the movie and you don't want to watch the film, I am going to implore you, everyone, to at least jump ahead to the 56-minute mark and watch this gazebo scene as it is the funniest, most brilliantly constructed, well-orchestrated comedic scenes I've seen in a movie in maybe 10, 15 years. From a directing, acting, writing, editing standpoint, it is pure fucking perfection. Tut, do you agree with me? It's fucking gold, man. It is gold. I was literally laughing so hard, my wife had to come out and check on me to make sure I was okay. 
Tut recently told me he watched a comedy with his mom called 80 for 80 about Tom Brady and like some old chicks being in love with him or something. And he was like, it sucked. But there was this one funny scene. I watched a movie on Netflix recently called Wine Country, which was a romantic or not a romantic comedy. It was a a comedy about 40, 50 year old women (laughs) going to wine country. And there was one goddamn funny ass scene that made me like all right the movie wasn't a total waste of time both those movies had one scene can i can i can i, I i've got to tell my scene please all right go i'm gonna grab a my second cigar tell the boys you're quick okay so there's this there's this scene in the 80s for brady and it's it's a straight up old person chick flick and uh but guy fieri is in it and you know we love guy fieri here at the tuesday night cigar club and he, 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 man, the dude does not, does not fail to deliver. There's this one scene where Sally Fields, like, you know, 75, 76 year old Sally Field, she's carrying this fanny pack, but she doesn't call it a fanny pack. She calls it her strap on. And uh, she's, she's, she's looking for Guy Fieri. She loses her strap on, her fanny pack, and she's uh, looking for Guy Fieri because that's who was, she was at a, a wings eating contest and that's who was last around it so she's walking down this long line of porta potties and uh she's just it's just this really wide shot of sally fields walking just porta potty after porta potty after porta potty and she's yelling out guy guy i'm looking for my strap on have you seen my strap on and all of a sudden guy fieri pops out of one of these porta potties is like oh i thought you were someone else I just, I fucking, I fucking lost it. I'm sorry. It was the great, just that whole, oh, I thought you were someone else. Uh, Never mind. You gotta see it. It's fun. No, you don't have to see it. Just YouTube that clip because that's the only funny thing in the movie. Same with Wine Country. Bunch of Saturday Night Live alumni, Rachel Drash, uh, Mia, uh, uh, Tina Fey, they're all going to wine country to celebrate their 50th birthdays. And I told Yak Boy, I made I made Yak Boy watch it actually. There's one scene where one of the chicks, a heavy set chick, they're like, Hey, how'd your hip replacement go? And she's like, Oh shit. They're sitting there in this Napa uh wine. And she's like, Oh shit. Did you see him laughing? She's like, Oh shit, best thing I ever did. Check this shit out. And she throws her wine glass down on the sidewalk. Starts running down the sidewalk, does like a parkour run along the side of a building, and then like clicks her heels and just keeps on running down the street. And I'm watching it with my wife. I'm like, all right, no matter what this movie does or doesn't do, I'm okay. I watched it because of that one scene. That is not this movie. This movie holds its own throughout. But this gazebo scene is so special. Detective Bob trains his gun on the group from the top of the gazebo and orders David to drop his pistol and step back. Even this is funny. Five to ten paces. Who says that? Five to ten paces. Uh, Once David tosses his gun, Eddie encourages him, just do it, man. Just drop your gun. Bob throws the duffel bag down on the top on the roof of the gazebo and tells him, stay put. I'm coming down there. But as he steps to the ledge of the roof, he hesitates. You're talking about Bob, who's like in his late fifties, early sixties. Late fifties, little bit of a belly. Yeah, it's it's, it's the absolute best because all of a sudden it's like, 
wow, this is really tall, man. <laughs> no, I was, but he I did not say, expect this. But instead of saying that, here's what he does. Uh, and then he steps over a little bit to the others. He shuffles over a little bit. Uh, 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 and these guys are just staring up at him as he's making these noises. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to find a, a safe spot to hop down. Stash asks him, how'd you get up there? Well, I, I jumped from that tree over there, but I hurt my hip a little. I seriously rewound. Dude, you guys are laughing at just me telling it. I seriously <laughs> rewound. Detective Bob on that roof, shuffling around, making those noises. Ten times, I ten times I rewound that shit. I I haven't laughed that hard at anything in so long. I loved it because I'm like, once again, when you can make that scene where it's like in the middle of whatever else is going on, that absolutely relatable incident. Yeah. And that is it. You're like, I know what that guy is feeling right this second. Dude, I've done that with my kids at the playground. I've gotten somewhere. I'm like, uh. and I think I've made those noises. Uh, uh. Let's go down this way. Oh. And the editor brought up the noise that he was making. The, uh, he, he It was like so in your ears. Oh, my God, dude. It was so good. Well, David makes a move for his gun, and Detective Bob shoots off two of his fingers with one shot. Only Stash can't figure out how the hell he shot off David's middle and pinky finger with one shot. They're not, <laughs> they're not even next to each other. How the hell do you do that? Uh, Bob allows Eddie to recover his friends. They're laying on the ground at this point. Eddie, he allows Eddie to recover his friend's fingers and put them in his pocket, so hopefully they can be reattached later. As David cowers underneath the gazebo, he ran and grabbed his gun back, and now he's under there with a gun. They're at a, a standstill, a Mexican standoff, if you will, with Bob trapped on the gazebo's roof and the boys still down on ground level. And that's when the cocaine bear shows up. Luckily, the uh, Black Bear's crashing hard from its latest coke binge, and he collapses. Keep in mind, Eddie and Stash are still laying face first on the ground, as Detective Bob instructed them to, and the bear collapses directly on top of Eddie. Oh, man, you fucked Detective Bob size. <laughs> what the fuck? Eddie gasps from underneath the 500-pound beast. Can you just, you know, try to move it? Stash asks Eddie. Oh, of course. I didn't. Why didn't I think of that? They wait and they wait as this bear is snoozing until finally David and Detective Bob call a gun truce. All right, nobody shoot each other so he can check, so David can check to see if the bear is still breathing. He might be dead. Stash, by the way, is still laying right next to Eddie, but he's so stupid and lazy, he's completely useless. Are you okay? David quietly asks Eddie. What do you think? He's still breathing. The bear's still breathing. He's probably going to wake up eventually. Not he, she. What? Stash asked. The bear. It's a girl. Oh, yeah? Well, how do you know that? Because its vagina is on my ear. 
when the kilo of devil's dandruff suddenly falls out of David's back pocket, he had that one kilo he got in the bathroom. The bear senses cocaine, snaps out of his coke coma and starts clawing at the package. What the hell? I'll be damned, says Sergeant Detective Bob, shaking his head as the bear lies on her back and shoves the entire packaged kilo of cocaine down her throat. Then she gets up and starts dry humping Eddie. She dry humps him for a while. She picks him up and starts dancing with him. What is this? Yes, I don't like this. I did a little research, boys, and apparently cocaine can make you horny as hell. Did y'all know that? I do now. I've heard such things. Who knew? The men are all afraid to shoot in the event they'd shoot Eddie, but suddenly the bear releases her embrace and lets out a monstrous growl. The quick-minded detective Bob tears open a fresh kilo from the duffel bag with his teeth, starts raining it down on the cocaine bear, who's loving it. Stash says something like, it's cocaine Christmas. Dude, it's snowing coke off the top of the gazebo. Then Bob tosses another kilo into the woods to buy them some time. But while Stash is smart and immediately runs away into the woods, David points his gun back up at the detective. There's $14 million worth of coke in that duffel bag, and he's determined to take it back to his boss, Sid. Oh, and speaking of which, just then, Sid, Ray Liotta himself, pops up out of the nearby bushes and shoots Detective Bob in the gut with a high-powered rifle. Mm. David and Eddie run over to Sid. Eddie asks his dad if his young son, who's constantly leaving with his drug smuggler father, is safe. And Sid tells him, take it easy. The boy's home watching TV in another state. How long has he been home alone? Are you kidding me, Sid screams? You left him with me. Do I look like Daddy Daycare Center to you? All right. Daddy Daycare, the Eddie Murphy movie, didn't come out until 2003. Just saying, how'd they let that get into this movie? A rare miss. Rare miss. Or maybe they were all doing coke. I don't know. Daddy Daycare could just be an expression. I don't think so, Doctor. I think they fucked up. All right. I'm gonna go to or, or maybe. Oh God, no! Get back here. I'm so hey, sorry. You made the doctor leave again. Uh, again, it's like third time I've driven him off. Damn it! The men go back to the pavilion-like structure to get the bag of coke, but when they get there, it's gone. As Detective Bob has kicked it off the roof to pacify the grizzly, the black bear. That bear loves coke. The, de- the detective size. Bob's partner. Officer Reba, who at the beginning of the film, he left his fancy little dog Rosetta, Rosette with back home. She shows up all of a sudden gun drawn. But it turns out she's crooked and she's working for Ray Liotta. She's working for Sid. Bob is completely disappointed in Reba, but he still has to ask. I trusted you with Rosette. Who the fuck is Rosette? Sid asks. The dog in my car, Reba answers. You left a dog in your car? Ray Liotta says. Uh, you left my son in St. Louis, Eddie says. <laughs> so good. With his dying breath, Detective Bob tells him that the bear took the bag of Coke dead north in exchange for Sid. They make a deal. I'll tell you where the bear went with your Coke. Sid agrees not to kill B- Bob's beloved dog, Rosette, later on when he gets back to the visitor center. Um, real quick, boys, I'm going to light up 
my follow-up cigar. Uh, if I can figure out how to work this thing. It is. I figured, what could we pair with the cocaine bear besides that that giant bear dick that we that we smoked earlier? Um, our follow-up cigar is the Shady Moose. It's not a cocaine bear. It's a shady moose. Shady moose. You folks on YouTube will see it. It's a chilling out moose with some sunglasses on. Um, it is a six by fifty-two Toro, much more manageable size than our previous cigar. <laughs> Ecuadorian. It is literally eighteen pounds less <laughs> than what we just had. Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Mexican binder. Get this filler from United States, Colombia. Don't get a lot of that tobacco. Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. This is a six-country blend in the Shady Moose. Uh, I'll tell you what it costs at the end of the show. Back in March, Chillin' Moose, which was the original brand, and its beefy sidekick, the Bull Moose, which was a much larger size. I think maybe comparable to tonight's La Gloria Cabana. Welcomed a Connecticut cousin, the Shady Moose, a new line of cigars made with an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper. A first time for the Chillin' Moose. Uh, Shady Moose launched as a full-time line with three new sizes, including the first Toro in the growing Chili Moose line. John Hakeem, brand manager of Chili Moose, has this to say. With Shady Moose, we build a great anytime, anywhere blend that takes the smooth smoking properties of a Connecticut shade cigar and amps it up with the right amount of complexity and spice. And we didn't stop there. We added in the cool moose imagery and locked in an unbelievable price point. Now we're waiting for Shady Moose to take a run at the internet, just like the Bull Moose did last year. We're ready for it. The question is, he says, are you ready for it? I am ready for it. Uh, I'm ready for it. I am a fan of the Chili Moose line. It's been one of my favorite budget-friendly smokes since its initial release many moons ago. In fact, when the original company that produced it, Foundry Cigars, was shut down a few years ago, I bought it four to five boxes of Chili Moose as their future was uncertain at that point. I liked it that much. They also produced a Chili Moose 2, a broadleaf uh, version, which I did not care for so much so I think I gave them all to you, Tut. <laughs> Didn't I give you all my Chili Moose 2s, the red label? I think you did. I think you did. Okay, so that's what I'm going to uh, light up here moving forward. Um, and we'll talk about that awesome price point perhaps later as we go along. Uh, meanwhile, further in the forest, Sari and little Henry have been tracking teenage Dee Dee as she left paint and clothing trails as the as the black bear was dragging her off. They come across Olaf, remember him from the beginning of the film, the eccentric hiker, and he agrees to help uh, lead them to the Devil's Bear's Cave. When they enter the cave, they quickly find a wounded D.D. surrounded by coked up baby bear cubs covered in white powder, which D.D. tells them, don't worry about them. They're harmless. They look like polar bears, Henry says. Uh, (laughs) And he's accurate. They do look like little polar bears. When Sari and the kids hear a commotion from outside the cave, they shuffle out the back exit that takes them on a rocky ledge running uh, behind two massive waterfalls. From a cinematography standpoint, This all looks amazing, by the way. Leaps and bounds over most straight-to-video creature features. So uh, kudos to cinematographer uh, John Gulesserian. Apologies if that's not correct. 
for his work here. And obviously there were some visual effects done with the waterfalls and the force of night, but uh, man, the movie just looks great. Tut, right. I thought it did. I really did. Uh, I don't think this was a straight to video type deal. It actually had a theatrical. Well, no, but, release. but when you watch so many direct to video creature features, I, you really appreciate how good this yeah. movie uh it looked like you should watch it in a movie theater which is saying something um soon sid and his crew find the cave and now they're out on the ledge with sari and the kids there's a duffel bag dangling from a tree branch above but before sid will let anyone go he wants that bag two coked up bear cubs begin pawing at sid's legs when he throws his rifle at David to shoot the baby bears, Eddie's already refused to do so. Sari grabs the gun in midair, and instead she points it at Sid, saying, hey, I'm taking these fucking kids out of here. But then the mama bear shows up, the cocaine bear, and she's super pissed off. Sari and the kids jump over the... They have no choice. There's a bear, there's a guy with a gun. Boom. They jump over the edge uh, into the waterfall, and Eddie and David soon follow suit. But not before Sid, Ray Liotta, accidentally shoots David while trying to kill the cocaine bear. And he actually does shoot the monster. Uh, the cocaine bear pl- plummets off the side of the cliff and lands with a thud on another ledge down below. Sid tries yet again to pull the duffel bag down from above. And when he makes a little progress, a kilo falls out. And it explodes against the rock, sending a white cloud straight up the unconscious cocaine bear's nose. That'll do the trick. (laughs) The bear awakens, climbs back up the cliff, rips out Sid's guts, and then watches proudly as her baby bear munches, as his, her baby bears munch down on Sid's intestines. That was good. That was good. I, I like like the jaws flicks i like that the cocaine the spilling cocaine awoke the beast and yeah never counted out <laughs> down in the water below david is in bad shape but sorry is a talented nurse after all so she's able to help him eventually dawn arises and all the survivors make their way back to the visitor center reba the crooked cop who bailed on the action long ago Comes out from her car and hands Eddie Detective Bob's pet uh, fancy dog, Rosette. It's his problem now, but he instantly takes a liking to her and he thinks his son will like her too. If he's still alive back in St. Louis, yeah. been watching cartoons for what, like three days now? He's still there. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Uh, he puts the tiny dog in his truck where David, the wounded David, asks him, Is this dog on cocaine? No. All right, so he starts petting it. Uh, I like that. Uh, so David, Eddie, and the dog head out in their truck to get Eddie's son and start over somewhere new where the Colombian drug lords can't find them. That was that was Daddy Sid's big thing. Like, hey, if we don't find this cocaine, these Colombians are coming for us. So they're going to get a fresh start somewhere. As Sari and the teens make their long walk home, uh, they pass by the overturned stretcher with a smushed face uh, Ranger Liz under it. Don't look. Young, yeah, don't look. Young Dee Dee apologizes to her mother for skipping school and causing all this trouble. In fact, she says she's willing to spend the weekend in Nashville 
with her mom's new doctor boyfriend. After she and Henry get out of rehab, that is. Rehab, sorry, says, yeah, we're crackhead, we're cokeheads now. I liked it. After some brief text appears on screen telling us that the bags of cocaine were never found, we jump back in the forest where the cocaine bear and her cubs are high yet again, frolicking around high as kites until some unfortunate hikers decide to get a little too close with their video cameras and all this madness begins yet again. Oh shit, a female hiker says as the cocaine bear locks eyes with them. And then we cut to black just as the bass lines of Grandmaster Melly Mel's white lines start to play. The end. <laughs> the fucking end. At least I hope it's the end yeah. for reals. Because like all great com- like all great comedies, you could never possibly capture what you did in I, I agree. And, I uh, yeah. I'm looking I'm looking at Anchorman two when I say that. You you might get some laughs, but you're never gonna just don't try. Just leave this thing alone. I actually well, I mean if you're not gonna go somewhere else with the I mean if you're just gonna try let's try to just do what we did before, then yeah, don't do it. I I hope I, I hope I don't I don't even want to go anywhere else. I hope they do. Just, just let this be a nice thing that exists yes. on its own. Uh, French composer Philippe LaRue says that every great, memorable piece of music touch <sighs> needs, needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear here that the gazebo scene as a whole qualifies it enough to declare Cocaine Bear a pretty great and definitely memorable film, at least for a few more months before I drink enough to forget it. Doctor, I'm curious, real quick, as a lover of creature features and obviously comedies, but you've watched as many creature features as I have. Did you did you dig the vibe of this movie as much as I did? As much as it sounds like Tut, Cody and I did? I loved it. I, I think I was the first one of us to watch it because uh, I watched. I, I like twenty paid, bucks for it, right? I think I paid the twenty buck price right when it was first streaming. So it's been like a couple of months, and this whole conversation makes me want to watch it again now that the price is lowered. Yeah, I, I loved it. Everything about it was great. Okay, I, I was curious. Uh, I hadn't gone into what I thought might be a bloody creature feature with a little humor and get my, my head kind of twisted by, no, this is a comedy that's kind of uh, just kind of using creature feature as a stepping stone. They balanced it. I mean, they went for it. The gore was there, like you mentioned, they, and then they just, they went for it. And uh, yeah, I was phenomenal. And I, I was happy to see, because I did like the movie solo I was happy to see Alden Ehrenreich play a totally different character and and uh yeah, very funny, gory, everything you could want out of it. I, I dug it. Really want to watch it again. As far as taking a true story, which this was based on a true story, and creating a crazy entertaining narrative based super loosely around that story. <laughs> I didn't think a movie called Cocaine Bear especially a major studio theatrical release could come close to living up to that title. It's a great title. How could you possibly live up to cocaine bear? They fucking did it. They, they, they could have gone. They, there could have been, this could have been a disaster. I mean, they could have gone different ways with it. Uh, so 
I didn't know Elizabeth Banks had directed anything prior to this. Uh, and because she's kind of part of that Judd Apatow school, I mean, she was like in a lot of those movies with Paul Rudd and so forth. And, uh, who knows where it was going to go. Got to give her a lot of credit because if you, you know, a friend of mine texted me like six months ago. I was like, you going to see cocaine bear. And I was like, yeah, probably not in the theater. But it was like, this, this could have been. This could have fell flat on its face if the execution wasn't there. Like I'll you be said, honest, I thought it was going to be a, a train wreck. I thought it was going to be horrible, been. just a, a a grab on the title and the premise. And, well, and like I, you know, and like I mentioned, like right when they started the film, the dudes chucking cocaine out of the plane. I mean, I'm just sitting there like, all right, and then he's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Wow. <laughs> Bashes his head, falls out, and unco- I'm like, I'm sorry, I just started fucking laughing because I was yeah, like, I never that saw that. pure. That's a pure slapstick comedy move, and yeah. I fell for it. I never just, saw. There wasn't a two minute stretch that went by where I didn't at least chuckle. I swear, I almost pissed myself when they we we talked about it when he when he does that. That penny come with chicken? Nah, it's plain. <laughs> I, I, that, I think that killed me more than the gazebo scene. Yeah, no, it was the little things. It was the little interactions. Like uh, yeah. even even in the bathroom when he was like a fucking gazebo. Yeah, it's like a pavilion like structure. I know what a gazebo is. And then Han Solo's like, I I didn't know what a gazebo was. <laughs> And then I start thinking, like, oh, are gazebos like a relatively like a ninety? Did that come after eighty five? Like, are gazebos like kind of a new? Th- it was funny yeah. though. The, and doesn't doesn't Ray Liotta at one point say something to defend himself? And you hear Han Solo go, "You left my son in St. Louis." Like just in the background. Yeah, no, he. You left your son with me. He's like, "You left my son in St. Louis." <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of that throughout the movie. I, uh, the director deserves a shit ton of credit for it. Everybody deserves a lot of credit for just how entertaining this film is. Uh, y'all know, y'all know me. Real quick, Yaks. Um, before my last comment, I've been riding out tonight's discussion with my fourth beer pairing tonight: the hazy beer hug. Like a bear hug. It's got a little bear with sunglasses on it. Uh, yes, yes, of course. The hazy beer hug. It's Goose good. Island. Hey, my favorite airport beer, Goose Island IPA. Yes, the Goose Island IPA. The, the hazy beer hug, 6.8%, 20 IBUs, 20. Yeah. It's really smooth, but it's it's got a really full-bodied, nice, uh, nice uh, swallow. Uh, and we'll go with it. Uh, it. It's it's a great, especially with the second cigar, which Tut, if you like nuts in your mouth, this thing is delivering nuts, peanuts, uh, creaminess, super. I'm actually going to do a, I've decided since you guys didn't get a chance to light this up tonight, I'm going to review it on the website. Uh, the Shady Moose is a welcome. I lit it up. Oh, did you? Oh, I you did. Like, you getting peanuts and cream, baby? Um, I, I'm, I'm getting a something, but you know, well, perhaps if you were dry, uh, drinking a hazy beer hug IPA, your story would be different. It, it's a very smooth smoke and, uh, 
for under five bucks. Get out it of here. is. It, I've actually liked it. It's very, I mean, just by volume alone, it's not nearly as intense as our last cigar. Perfect. But it's, it's light. It, it has been the, it not transitioning much, but just the overall flavor I've liked because it has been solid. I'm about halfway through on it and it's, it's just a good cigar. It's, 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 it, it's creamy. It's got some cedar. It has some uh, very creamy uh, kind of Frappuccino like flavors. Uh, it does have some peanuts kind of a uh, man. It's it. I love this line of budget friendly smokes. And like I said, it is a whopping four ninety nine. So uh, get, over, get over to famous Buy you a box of shady mooses. Shady Mises? Shady Meese? Mooses. They don't do Meese as in geese. They don't do Meese. It's Moose. Mooses. Shady Mooses and use promo code TNCC20 to get $20 off. You can buy like two boxes of these bad boys and drop the promo code. Get out of there for under 100 bucks. This is a really good, smooth budget stick. Uh, I actually like this incredibly well. I, I'm not so much for the moose with the sunglasses on, but whatever. You can take the band off and smoke it like a regular cigar. Um, my you last thought. A cocaine moose? <laughs> what, uh, is, what is the sequel? Co- right there. What is Perfect. The moose coming out. Um, y'all know me and my beloved Tubi streaming service. Well, there is a movie on there right now called Cocaine Shark, which came out about six months after cocaine bear. So, you know, I had to watch, you know, I had to watch that shit. It's shot for pennies, super low budget. The cocaine shark itself is claymation. It's not, it's not CGI. It is stop motion claymation. Did they resurrect Harryhausen to do this? No, it, it would be much more better if they had. Oh, Despite those awesome qualities uh, I just mentioned, I honestly, I gave up on it after about 15 minutes. And you know that's bad because I've watched Maneater with Trace Atkins, the shark movie, country western music superstar Trace Atkins, three fucking times now. And I gave gave up on Cocaine Shark after 15. It's a goddamn shark. Toked up his nose candy and it ate my goddamn daughter. If only they melded those two together. That bear's done a bunch of fucking cocaine. I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. He ate my daughter. He should have been a- that. That's actually the only thing that could have made cocaine better. Cocaine bear better is if Trace Atkins showed up. Uh, so yeah, you might want to skip Cocaine Shark on Tubi, but watch Man Eater on Hulu. Uh, you watched it three times now. It's about a goddamn man eating shark that eats some goddamn kids, and I'm fucking pissed about it. Nobody's fished these goddamn waters more than you and me. But how would they have directed him in the forest? Just turn left at the falls. <laughs> There's 50 waterfalls that take a right. You'll know the falls. No one's fished these falls more than you and me. There's a tree covered with moss. Take a left. I know it. I know that terrain. You're going to come across a chipmunk with a square look in his eye. 
you look him back and you take a hard right and then a left and then you'll find the cocaine chipmunk. I know exactly the spot you're talking about. <laughs> Tuck, give us some links. <laughs> it's uh, Instagram at TNCCcast. It's at, uh, uh, I guess, Twitter at TNCC underscore podcast. Join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Hit us up on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, man, don't forget about uh, hitting the website, clicking on the Famous Smoke Shop banner, getting your 20 bucks off of that uh, uh, order off of $100 or more. I think that's about it. Yeah, if you'll notice, folks, uh, tonight is the first night in years that we haven't had ad breaks. Um, if you would like your cigar company, your uh, your Arby's franchise, whatever the hell you want us to talk about. If you want us to drop it in twice an episode and at the beginning have Keith A. Howe say, tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by what? A goddamn Arby's. Okay, we're doing this. The Belton, Texas Arby's. Go to www.beltonarby's.com. If you want you to be associated with us, why wouldn't you? Uh, let us know. We're open for business. Um, and thank you for joining in our monkey business tonight. Uh, it was fun. I'm glad everybody liked it. I was, uh, I'll never eat at that fucking Arby's. (laughs) I know the one you're talking about. More familiar with that Arby's than you and me. Horsey sauce, my ass. Uh, hey, maybe Trace Atkins, country western music superstar Trace Atkins, wants us to promote his new CD. We could do that. Arby's Maneater. It would be his new film. It's the Double Stack Maneater, created by the brilliant mind that created Intel technology. George. You're the only one who knows these curly fries better than I do. Dude, what if Trace Atkins like confirmed my drunk theory? It was developed by a roast beef sandwich guy named Henry Raphael, a.k.a. George Moore of Intel Technologies. Deep state, folks. Look it up. They're the same motherfucker. Dude, he he gets into my drunk theories and like make sure to see my new Amazon Prime movie, Cocaine Mongoose. Oh, would you, Doctor? You wanted me to write a script for uh, Methamphetamine Mongoose. I th- I thought that this could lead to a whole series of films: Methamphetamine Mongoose, Oxycontin Ocelot. <laughs> uh, no one really seemed. He didn't. He didn't seem to be as uh, excited by the idea as I was. Uh well Yak Boys mentioned GHB gerbil, which uh goes with his dark materials stuff. Uh uh there, there's I a lot of Viper. I don't know. There's a lot of room to opioid to, octopus. I mean there's a there's a lot of stuff we could do here. Steel Reserve Sidewinder? Well, that was a documentary about me. That was actually your nickname back, back in North Texas, am I wrong? Legally, I'm not allowed to talk about it. There's a lawsuit pending. I understand. Uh, well, thank you, uh, ladies and germs, for joining us once again. Uh, hope you enjoyed our discussion on Cocaine Bear. Go watch. If you don't want to watch the movie, just go watch that 
fucking gazebo scene and love it. I wish we could have got I the actor who played Detective Bob on the show. I I just would have loved to just show him appreciation, like just shower him with like you don't realize that you are the funniest actor in the funniest scene I've seen in a decade on the big screen. Like I just wanted to like shower him with praise, which I've learned actors really like, but uh, I'm sure he gets, he was in the wire too. So the guy's popular. He, he's probably seen it all. And he's probably, he probably had some bad podcast experiences uh, with a bunch of non-professional yokels unlike us. And, it's like I'm not fucking with that shit anymore. Uh so just know, uh, sir, that you are appreciated. And the chick who played Ranger uh Liz Martindale, god damn, she's good. Uh so much, so many good performances tonight. I love talking about good movies with great fucking everything. And this is the first one that's coming along in a long time. So I'm glad we got to share it with you. Um I'm going to give the uh, Siri R, La Gloria Cubana, a medium. I'm not going to give it a thumbs down. I'm going to give it straight sideways. I don't think I would ever smoke it again, but it burned well for three hours. and It would keep burning for another five if I didn't put it out. Yeah, um, and I encourage everyone. Like I said, I'm going I'm to do a review of the Shady Moose on the website to give it uh what it deserves dude a smoke this this good under five bucks deserves a write-up so I'll, I'll take care of that over on the tncc website where you can also find the doctor's review of death wish which he completely forgot the director of the film i, uh, I mentioned it I, I mentioned eli roth my, no, my review of blood meridian will be published in six months Dude, I would love to read your review of Blood Meridian, the most unfilmable novel of all time. They say no one can ever uh, translate that 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 novel to film. But I would, uh, I would honestly, I think I speak for a lot of people, and I see our our Google uh, results. I think I speak for a lot of people. We would love to see more Doctor content uh, on the website. So keep that in mind, Doc. Next time you're reading or watching something, get that pen out and. Scribble down some notes, my friend. Maybe it's time for me to rewatch Maneater. <laughs> Dude, yes. We we actually never even featured Maneater. We've talked about it on like four or five shows. We never actually did a thing of Maneater, uh, which is a goddamn travesty. Oh, uh, sons of bitches. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Uh, in the meantime, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. If you see a cocaine bear in the woods, don't run. Fight. Or no, it's the opposite. The Tuesday Night Cigar Club is not legally liable for any advice given on this web. Do whatever the hell you got to do. Get the hell away from there. Run. Run, damn it. To learn more about the time I had my own encounter with a ravenous beast while snorkeling off the Barbary Coast, please read my new Nature's run adventure novel titled Meth Head Manatee by Keith A. Howell. You see, manatees are usually very docile, peaceful creatures. And this one, oh boy, he was fucking crazy. But after a few hours, just hanging out, he mellowed, we became friends, possibly more than friends, and yada, yada, yada. 
I was soon asked very sternly to leave Drambui and never return again. What a bunch of assholes. I mean, never return again. It was the first time I'd ever fucking been there, so I'd never actually returned. And they had the audacity and the bad grammar to say never return again. They could have said never visit again or never return. But never return again? No. They're just a bunch of fucking assholes. They're like, anywho. To learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, please visit CigarWorld.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienStemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Sleep.